Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome in to Hoopsville, the season finale of Hoopsville. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We were slightly incorrect the last time we were on the air Thursday, two weeks ago, when we said this would probably be our last Thursday show. We were slightly incorrect because, yes, it is not the last Thursday show, though it is the last, and or live, but it is the last Thursday evening show. Hope you don't mind the afternoon show. We already had plans <laughs> for Thursday night. Didn't expect us to be on the air at this point in the season. If you got questions for us on the season finale, you can email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsville, hashtag hoopsville. Um, you can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we are live streaming the show as well. We apologize for not live streaming the um, uh, pregame and postgame shows that we had in Salem. On Facebook, we did it as we normally do, but just in simulcast on Facebook. A lot of moving parts. Uh, it was really great to have some extra hands this year, thanks to Keaton Coleman, oldest of uh, Pat Coleman, who came down and ran things. It was certainly nice for that, but due to some other logistics and not having enough time to crash and burn, as it were, unable to have multiple things running, but we will certainly work on that for the future. We are Always taking steps forward to improve. I know we live simulcasted the uh, Stag Bowl pregame, and we certainly intended to live simulcast on Facebook. It's just a little bit more challenging. If those of you tuned in or tuning in via the podcast, uh, we do hope in the near future to turn those shows around, whether you're interested or not. Um, unfortunately, the way it's all set up, we didn't record them, and we need to re-record them, in a sense, to do that. We will try and turn those around in the near future. Lots to talk about today on the show. First and foremost, news that we kind of knew was there, weren't sure was going to happen, had enough sources that made us feel pretty comfortable with it. We were, still weren't positive. The head coach of WashU men's basketball, Mark Edwards, is retiring. Hats off to the man who coached the Bears for 37 years, resurrected the program. And uh, brought them to national prominence, two national titles in countless years uh, in top 25 conversations, UAA titles, etc. He is hanging it up, walking off the court. We will talk to him here momentarily, live on the show, about that decision, what went into it, the who, what's, where's, why's, and how's. See if we can even blame Nancy Fay for the decision. <laughs> we will miss Mark Edwards, to be sure, in this uh, Division Three world. He's not going to go far, I suspect. I am sure we will see or hear from him in the future, not necessarily coaching for another team. Um, well, maybe coaching for another team. I wouldn't be surprised if the man showed up in an all-star game on an all-star basketball squad for the coaching side of things. Um, anyway, my point being, uh, we will talk to Mark here coming up here shortly about everything that went into the decision to retire. That is two UAA coaches, by the way, who've retired so far this year. NYU and WashU. Uh, there are rumblings. There's more movement afoot in the UAA on the men's side. We will shall wait and see. Um, we also will recap some of the stuff we had in our post-game show, in case you missed it. We will talk to uh, Dale Wellman from Nebraska Wesleyan. We talked to him about an hour or so after the national championship. You will rehear most of that conversation that Pat Coleman and I had with him. Also talked to the men's committee chair, Tim Fitzpatrick, about what he thought 
of the tournament, what he thought of the championship weekend, and he even hints at things he'd like to see improved moving forward. That's a conversation we had in Salem, and we will hear more from him as well. We'll change gears a little bit and celebrate one Division three student-athlete in men's basketball who's still kind of busy with men's basketball. Max Pierce from SUNY Purchase will join us to talk about the fact that he will, next week in San Antonio, be involved with the Slam Dunk competition, the State Farm Slam Dunk Championships, how he got that honor and what he plans to do. Max Pierce will join us live here on the show. Also talk to the two Jostens Award winners. Didn't get a chance to do it in Salem. We talked to him in Salem uh, due to technical glitches on our original pregame show. Unable, and by the way, outside of our hands. <laughs> they weren't our tech glitches. Uh, we were not able to hear from them. We will hear from them today. That is Caitlin Reed from NYU and Nate Axelrod from Ohio Wesleyan. We'll also take a preview and a look ahead to next year, including Fort Wayne, Indiana. Nate. Nathan Dennison, who's vice president for sales at the uh, Coliseum that we will be heading to, joined us on the post game. You will hear from him as well about what they are expecting and how much they soaked up in Salem this past weekend. We'll also hint at a few things that you need to get used to next year that will be a little bit different that we already know about and things that may come. And then a hint at what we may be doing in the offseason. Again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we are live streaming the show, and we will try and promote it accordingly as well. Um, so on and so forth. Uh, this is the final show of the regular season, final video show that we will most likely do until the new season. Um, a hint at what we'll talk about later is what we may do in the offseason will not necessarily involve video unless we absolutely need to. So get, get your podcasts already, as they say. So lots to talk about as we uh, get underway here. Uh, Nebraska Wesleyan hats off. An impressive championship on their part, though, barely got past Springfield. Springfield really controlled the game with them. Uh, and whether people want to realize it or not, some subtle changes by Dale Wellman late in that game um, ended up giving Nebraska Wesley in the win. You know, a lot of people talk about a minute 10 left, Springfield with a five-point lead. I go back even further, a couple minutes left in the game, also a five-point lead. I noticed the tempo had increased. I noticed Springfield was starting to play a game that Nebraska Wesleyan wanted to play instead of dictating the tempo taking quicker shots, uh, not being as patient on offense. Nebraska Wesleyan increasing the pace up and down the floor, getting a little bit more aggressive on defense, and Springfield lost the grip on the game at that point. We can fast forward certainly to about 90 to 70 seconds left in the game where Springfield missed a couple of key front ends of one-on-one -on -one opportunities, which then gave Nebraska Wesleyan shots, which they hit and eventually tied. And of course, both teams missed uh, buzzer beater opportunities. Uh, Jake Ross, as good as he is as a sophomore, you do wonder if maybe in that situation when he was double teamed so well on that zone defense, needed to look to somebody else like McNulty maybe to try and hit the shot to upend the Prairie Wolves. Not that the Prairie Wolves got much of a better shot in to force uh, to win the game before regulation ended either. I think they lost track of time on the clock. However, overtime was nothing but Prairie Wolves. On the flip side, Oshkosh played a very good game against Ramapo. Uh, nothing against the, the Roadrunners, but I saw the same team in Vegas. They are still good. They just aren't, they aren't blowing me away. 
Uh, they clearly played well in the tournament uh, to get there. Uh, the win over MIT was certainly impressive. But I saw a team that can be controlled a, a little bit too much. Uh, Oshkosh did an amazing job of taking Thomas Bonacom out of the game completely. Uh, he had a couple of, of key three-pointers at the beginning. He had one late, which I thought maybe we're going to start seeing him come alive. Turns out I was wrong. Uh, and Mosley wasn't much of a factor. Granted, picked up a couple of fouls early in the game, but really after that, uh, except for one incredible slice into the lane early in the game, we didn't talk about Mosley much in this one. Hats off to Oshkosh. They're the ones who made Ramapo um, even less than one-dimensional to some degree. And uh, terrific effort on their part to force that situation. And so they moved to the championship where Nebraska Wesleyan and Oshkosh, again, didn't play a game we expected. Uh, I think I expected more high pace. Oshkosh certainly came out and hit uh, early shots and often in the first half. Both teams shooting identical first half numbers down to the uh, makes for takes. Um, Nebraska Wesleyan able to keep their hot shooting alive in the second half, actually shooting better from three-pointer range by percentage than the than the floor. Oshkosh struggled to start the second half hitting shots, eventually heated back up, but it was too late. Um, they were in too much of a hole. But both teams played a tremendous game. Both teams pretty much will be back next year. Ramapo, the only team in that foursome that really does that really loses anybody. Uh, they'll lose Bonicum and Mosley and, and and five total seniors. While Nebraska Wesleyan will lose a senior, and I think a good one in Wells Ross, they bring back everybody else. And Springfield, Jake Ross leading the way, will bring back pretty much everybody else. We'll talk more about this next year. We will be we will be deep next year. We will be full of parity and balance in Division Three men's basketball. But I think the top now becomes a huge group. There are going to be a lot of good teams next year. Maybe not a lot as many losses as this year, but a lot more teams you could be discussing being number one in the country. Uh, this year, we pretty much stuck with Whitworth as the number one team in the country. I'm sorry, Whitman. I do that occasionally. Whitman is the number one team in the country, and everybody else was just vying for that position. Next year, I think there's a it's wide open. I think it's a, a legitimate conversation. Nebraska Wesley will probably start as number one, most likely. Uh, and then it's a legitimate conversation as to who will vie for that spot. On the women's side, hats off to Amherst. I mean, seriously. 66-game <laughs> winning streak. We They could next year, believe it or not, break the Wash U record for consecutive wins in a season. Nothing against the Mammoth's scheduling, but it's not that hard to do. Um... But that's a number I think we all thought was untouchable. And honestly, I didn't think Amherst would get through this season untouched. I thought Tufts could trip them up at least once. Tufts lost to them twice. I thought Bowden could trip them up. Certainly had a great game earlier in the season. Four-point game in the 40s. Amherst blew right past them in the championship game. So there's a chance Amherst could vie for that Wash U record. Um, and I'm not saying the UConn record is available. Uh, that's a little further away, but Amherst is playing some darn good basketball. And again, we'll retool after losing some key players. So speaking of which, uh, let's talk about the rest of the schedule. One of the other guests I forgot to mention that coming up, we will t uh, Gordon Mann talked to the most outstanding player for the championship weekend. It was Amherst number um, 
14, Emma McCarthy. We say sophomore forward in our in our show page. We will change that. She's clearly not a sophomore, but she's coming up on the show as well. And on that note, I think we'll take a break. Don't see any comments necessarily, though interesting. Our uh, comment page has disappeared off of our show page. So we're going to, on the... Uh, on the YouTube side, so we're going to have to call that up and see if we can find some questions in there. If you do have questions or comments, fire them away. We'll be looking forward to seeing what you have to say throughout the show. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. This is the season finale, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us. By the way, uh, Pete says, can't wait to hear your interview with Coach Edwards. I lived down the street from him when I was a kid. Was a water boy for his early teams. Great coach, better man. Thankful to have gotten back to St. Louis for a game this past season. Pete, you are right. And coming up next, we will talk to Mark Edwards. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we return. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this season finale, whether you're watching it live here on Thursday afternoon or you happen to be watching it uh, or listening, watching it on demand or listening to it on demand. If you've got questions for us, even in the offseason, give us a ring. Well, not really, but figuratively. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All right, so I'll admit, I kind of got wind of this one uh, earlier in the season, there were some people who speculated, I think Mark Edwards is going to hang it up at the end of the season. I, I will say my reactions were mixed. One, hats off to the man. Tremendous career, uh, 37 years, resurrected the WashU program, certainly did amazing things with it with multiple national championships and countless conversations in the, in the national landscape. But I was also maybe a little uh, disappointed 
I don't want Mark Edwards to retire. It's fun to talk to Mark on the show, for starters, and it's great to have Wash U on the show and always a part of the conversation. But we don't control those things. They do, as they say. And we have the unique opportunity to have still been on the air here uh, or still haven't wrapped up the show when Mark had made that decision. So he gets to join us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline. Uh, and, Coach, I want to thank you most importantly for taking the time to join us, but also congratulations on your career. I know this wasn't an easy decision. No, David, it wasn't. Um, and I think that the person that you got win from that made that comment to you earlier, mm-hmm. I think you need them to do your your bracketing and your picks and because they knew something I didn't know. Okay, okay. Uh, we, <laughs> so we, the honest to God truth, I... I uh, this is this is a decision that evolved over the season. Um, you know, like I've said before, there's no, there's there's really no good time yeah. to make a decision to walk away from a program that's always going to have, uh, you know, a chance to win a championship. I think this program is it has the type of kids we got young kids coming uh, up through the system and have over the years that uh, each year we're pretty competitive. And, you know, there's no good time to just walk away from it. And But there's a right time. And with five seniors starting, um, with everybody coming back, having a new role and new expectations and new opportunities, uh, it's, also, it's the right time to put, put a new, a new uh, variable into the mix, and that's a coach. So, you know, I, I just decided... Uh, after 37 years, let's let's let somebody younger and with a little more energy step in there <laughs> and take over. Um, how I, I know that the expectations for the program were that you could make a deep run in the tournament and possibly get to Salem, maybe vie for a third national title. There were there were several who thought, including myself, that you guys at the end of the season were playing some of the best basketball in the nation. I know Chicago tripped you up in the last game, and maybe that was a concern, but then Aurora got knocked you guys out in the first round in a spectacular back-and-forth game, especially in the final 15 seconds. How much did that game almost change your mind? Well, you know what? Um, when I walked off of that court and being really the only person knowing that that was my last game as a coach, <laughs> maybe my <laughs> yeah. wife and the administrator, I've told the AD to, um, you know, a couple weeks before that. Anyway, the point is, um, as a competitor and as somebody that loves the game of basketball and the challenges that it presents, you know, <laughs> you go into the locker room and you're thinking, you know what, I, want, I don't want to leave this way. But, like I said, it was the right time. So I didn't say anything. I, I, I did not want that game to be defining, um, you know, throw that on top of the team at the same time sure so we we waited till they got back from spring break and and then we had a meeting uh tuesday night and um discussed my decision and and uh obviously the players uh support that and and they've been super about it it's interesting because on this day 10 years ago i believe you won your first of two national championships in salem um, we'll call it the Sean Wallace less team. Maybe it was the better one because Sean wasn't playing. Um, oh, that was yesterday. Yeah, that was yesterday. Fair point. Today was the second one. Okay, that's what it was. Thank you. So this was a Sean Wallace championship. That's too bad. I know Sean's listening, and I wanted a little jab at the guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, 
you know, we're not that far removed from those glory years, as it were. And it's not like you guys disappeared from the conversation ever. You're always in the conversation for the most part. Does it feel apropos like yesterday, those championships or, or with the grind, does it feel further away? Um, you never lose the emotion of those championships. Uh, I think the key thing as a coach is that you don't want that to define your career. Uh, there's so many other things that take place during the during your run, uh, and I don't mean during the run of a championship, but I mean in the run of your career, yeah. that um, the championships are the pinnacle. There's no doubt about it. But after the pinnacle, what comes next? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that you keep chasing it. And, but during that, during that uh, process of, of going for the championship, both before you're getting it and after you get it, this is where the real meaning of the game of basketball comes in, and this is what my, you know, this is this is the where all the memories are, as well as just the championship. So, um, I think that I think that's important to keep in mind. Talking to Mark Edwards here, um, head coach for WashU until we say otherwise, or until someone else is hired. He is retiring after 37 seasons, 34 straight winning seasons, 21 NCAA tournament appearances, 15 UAA titles two national championships you did it all for your alma mater you helped resurrect and restart this program that's a lot of heavy lifting at the beginning and you've been lifting ever since um did you ever imagine you could get to this point with this program when you started it all yes good you know at our very first meeting we had in 1981 when we had the kids come together and, and it was a complete tryout situation since i didn't start till august 1st um I asked them to believe that we're going to win a national championship. You know, that was the, the, this program was focused on producing the caliber of program that could do it. And then doing it, of course, is a lot more difficult. It's not just a wish. It's an actual, it's an actual goal. Uh, every team that, every team that came after that first team had that same thing presented to them. And when we won it in 2008, uh, it was really validating what all those players knew prior to that that didn't get it. And we came close. I mean, in 1988, we were one basket away from going to the Final Four. Uh, So, you know, we had our opportunities. We had our teams. But as you know, the greatest thing about the game of basketball is you never know what's going to happen until you walk off the court. You never do. We found that out this year again. Um, so you have to kind of believe in it, that you have that that potential, but you'll have to believe it can happen. And so these kids did validate that, and they also set the tone for the future. And, you know, to any coach out there that's listening or any coach that's chasing that dream, don't change it. Don't ever cut back. Don't be afraid of the risk that's involved and the heartache if you don't make it. Uh, keep pursuing it. Well, it's certainly been a, a heck of a pursuit for the Wash U Bears. You've always had good teams. You've always had tremendous talent. What's been the secret of your success there? I think it's. I think it's. There's. There's a combination. Obviously, I mean, great assistant coaches, great administration, a university that understands how athletics can fit philosophically into into its mold of what they're trying to do here. Um, a culture that's accepting of, the, of of success. I mean, 
You know, we like to say Washington University is a school that's focused on success, but it's in a variety of different ways. And um, I think that this is this is something that's important. Uh, I think that having athletes here who feel that the university appreciates their efforts and gives them a legitimate chance to win a championship is important. I think playing in the UA conference, which is a conference who is committed to academic excellence and athletic excellence, uh, and then follows through with it, um, with the funding and the resources, you know, they're essentially saying we really believe athletics is an important part of the campus culture, uh, but we'll fund the sports and not the athlete. And, you know, it's probably one of the more realistic approaches that Division Three is one of the most realistic approaches that you can take. Sure. Uh, especially in today when, they're, you know, you're hearing all this, all these discussions and debates and controversies concerned surrounding uh, scholarship programs. Uh, so, you know, I think that that's, that's been a, a key element. What was the, the, the key to maintaining, though, the ability to stay, not relevant, but in the conversation, both, I mean, 15 titles in, in 30, in 30 some odd years and, um, 34 winning seasons. That's tough to do even for uh, really good programs. We see ups and downs all the time. We talked about Oshkosh and Nebraska Wesleyan kind of turning things around this year. How do you keep that level of competition and that level of talent all the same consistently? Well, I think there's, you know, I think there's several factors that are important in order to do that. Number one is that Every kid that comes into the program understands what they're coming into, and they expect to share that challenge with the team, with the players that are there, and that they understand that, that you know that you set a good expectation for them. You're coming in as a freshman. Uh, if you can start for us, you will. Uh, and if you don't, then you're going to be hungry enough that you want. You're going to work to do it. But at the same time, you are sharing the responsibility of our goals, and our goals to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. And if you're ready to go as a freshman, that's great. If not, you're going you're gonna to develop. I think the second thing that's important, been important in our years here is that we've, we have consistently maintained a junior varsity team. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds strange, uh, but... It gives our, our freshmen who are not playing, getting a lot of playing time, um, an opportunity to get out on the floor and make mistakes and, and run our stuff and see how it works and learn how it works and not be put under the microscope of, of whether or not you're winning the conference or you know getting into the NCAA. Then when it's their turn or when they're needed, they're available and they're able to step up. I think an interesting uh, back up to that is that year that we won the national championship in 2008. You said the Sean uh, Wallace year that he mm-hmm. wasn't on the team. Right. Well, the person that replaced him uh, four games in, yeah. he didn't start right away, but he evolved into the starting, was Ross Kelly. Yes. And Ross Kelly actually played in a JV game that year because huh. he wasn't ready. And um, we actually had to hold him out of a game at, at the end of the season in order not oh. to, to exceed the 25-game limit. Yeah. And we almost lost that game, which would have cost us the bid because we didn't win the UAA that year. Right. 
Interesting. The JV, so the JV program has always served a purpose for us. It's not just, uh, uh, you know, we don't need it to try to attract students to Washington University. It's used to help give students opportunity uh, to see if they can contribute on a, on a, a very competitive team. Fascinating. Um, not every Division three school has, uh, I would say, only maybe yeah, half. Well, we're the only ones. Yeah, we're the only ones in our conference. And right. I know in the Midwest now. It's, it's more still, popular. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 in your sense, it doesn't make any sense to be an enrollment type thing. It's, it's not a quote-unquote tuition grab. You're such a competitive school academically that a student's going to make the right decision. Um, JV doesn't necessarily equate into that. Is that a fair fair way of saying that? Oh, absolutely. You know, we we had thirty thousand applications here this year, um, and you know the average ACT in our team is a thirty-two. Oh, so uh, it's not like the profile of the university requires basketball to bring in X number of players each year, right? Um, but the profile of the university does require that we contribute to the mix of the diversity on this campus. Uh, you know, it's defined a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, uh, interest of basketball is one of them. When we look at your resume, as it were, um, you have a lot of All-Americans. Um, you won 330 games in the UAA with a 766 winning percentage. We mentioned the 685 wins. Um as a head coach, 15 away from 700, uh, for those of you doing it at home. I'm curious, um, first off, how tempting was it to stick around for 700? And second of all, when you look back at those 685 wins and all the, all the losses, is there any game that stands out? Well, well first of all, 700 wasn't a factor. Okay. Um, you know, you know, you can look at the number of losses you had and talk about that too. I've got more losses than a lot of coaches have games. That's so, true. Uh, you know, that, that it's all relative in that regard. Yep. Um, but as whether or not any one game sticks out, all I have to do is sit down with a bunch of our players from different eras and have them say, "Do you remember the night that something happened?" And that game sticks out. Hmm. In other words, sure, the national championships and cutting down the nets and all, that's a tremendous uh, memory. We'll hmm. never forget it. And by the way, thanks to the city of Salem for providing us with that. Uh, they did a tremendous job. You know, Kerry Harvey Cutter for all these years, what, 23 years they've been doing this? Yeah. Um, can, you, can you imagine all the dreams that they fulfilled for these teams? Yeah. And the kids? That'll be the you know that'll be their pinnacle of their memory as far as athletics go. Believe me. No, you're right. Anyway, I want to just thank them for all that, and I'm sure that Fort Wayne will do well. But um, let's give due to to Salem at the same time. Good, good reason. But anyway, yeah. Back to what game stands out. Um, you know, quite honestly, some of the losses stand out just as much as some of the wins. <laughs> Can understand that. You had only so, 293 of them. There's some coaches who don't even, as you say, win, coach that many games, let alone win that many games. But at the same time, that's a heck of a percentage. Um, I hate that. This is going to be a weird question. Does it ever get old? Never. Yeah. You know, I think that 
and it still isn't. That's not why I'm stepping away. I, it's not because I've lost my passion for the game. I think, if anything, that when a coach walks into a room with a team, if that team can't feel his passion, then they're not going to go anywhere. Mm. So, you know, I think this has got, when you walk on the court with a team, you know, it's not how much, how loud you yell or um, how you can make them do stuff or the authority that you present. It's the passion that you feel for the game. And I think this is something that has to be conveyed to your team uh, and your team has to share it with you. And I, and I you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I really think that that's something, the connection that I've had with the team uh, has been through that passion. Interesting stat. Of the top 20 D1 coaches in wins, only three have had more consecutive winning seasons than you have. Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski at Duke, uh, Coach Beheim at Syracuse, and the famed Coach Rupp. 34 winning seasons and only three D1 coaches can say they even did better than that. And that's a heck of a run. That's a heck of a legacy. Does that even sink into you? Has it sunk into you and it's probably been repeated to you a few times in the last few days? No, I actually, uh, Chris Mitchell told me, our SID told me that uh, <laughs> yep. just a little while ago. But um, I will point out one thing. Uh, and the thing that, you know, given that statistic that you just mentioned, uh, that I'm proud of is all three of those programs are programs that uh, want to be in the hunt for a national championship. True. In other words, it's not done by scheduling. It's done by the scheduling that you're doing is to play the toughest teams you can play so that you're ready to go. You know, and it's not putting weak teams on the schedule so you can get a lot of wins. Uh, and I think that's important. I uh, think that's really important. I could because talk. That's what it draws. That's what draws good players to your program. Sure. You know, and that's why you can sustain that winning from year to year. And you, of course, pull from around the country, uh, around the nation, and and a, a wide a wide variety of student athletes as well. Um, Nancy Fay, of course, left the team last year and took over at Illinois. I know you and I talked about how different that was, um, and how you were part of that conversation. I'm sure Nancy was part of the conversation as well, but I, I suspect that her not being there, maybe uh, at least I'm going to blame Nancy. She's the one that led to this retirement decision um, for you because <laughs> she wasn't in the office every day. That, and then that's unless you can prove otherwise. I think that's the theory we're going to we're going to fall under. <laughs> well, I don't think Nancy has anything to do with my age. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Fair. And uh, you know, I think. Uh, no, are you kidding me? If anything, uh, Randy uh, Henderson, our women's coach, and, and Marky Freeman, her assistant, have, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed. It's been refreshing, and and we've had a great relationship during the course of the year. And it's kind of fun watching her evolve a different program, just like it will be next year for whoever comes in here. And I think, uh, no, that did, I miss her. Um, we've just talked yesterday, and and. Uh, We'll continue to talk and be close friends. It'll just mean that I can go up and watch her team play now. Um, but I told her I'm going to let her start winning first. There you go. Well, Mark, watch out. She might bring you into practice. Uh, she, she might try and find ways to get you there. Um, by the way, a quick little note from aforementioned Chris Mitchell. Exactly a year ago today, Nancy Fay announced that she was leaving WashU for Illinois. So interesting timing. Um, when you... Uh, 
when you look at what's ahead, and I, I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here, you can duck this all you want, but I'm curious, is this a job that you hope WashU goes out and really does a, a thorough national search and maybe brings in a, a fresh idea? Or you've got a longtime assistant there who's done some amazing work under you. Do you hope this is a job that maybe falls to him? I hope he wins this job. And I... And the reason I say it that way is because I know that's what he wants to do. Caleb Lawson has, yeah. has done a wonderful job with us. Uh, he's shouldered the responsibilities that we've had, uh, headed up our recruiting program. He's he's uh, very perceptive with the type of kids that fit into this program and that buy into it. I'm sure if he's the head coach that he will uh, put his spin to it. He'll have his style, et cetera. But at the same time, he understands the culture that's here and what you got to do to win. Uh, I hope he gets this job. But even more importantly, I, I, I'm confident that Washington University is going to try to find the right coach that fits this job. Um, in other words, they're not going to just assume and promote within because it's com- it's convenient. Yeah, they're going they're 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 going to be aggressive. They're going to look for the right person. Uh, they're going to take care of, of the kids that are here. And, uh, you know, I've been assured of that, and I'm sure that's going to happen. And so I'm happy for that. I'm satisfied with that. Caleb's satisfied with that. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's what we, you know, when we walk on the floor to play a basketball game and it's against uh, um, Illinois Wesleyan or Augustana or one of our other major regional opponents, we're excited about the competition. We're excited about proving we're the best team. And, you know, that's the way Caleb is about this job. Mm. Uh, well, we certainly will look forward to seeing how it progresses uh, between now and then. Um, curious, uh, your family, I know, uh, has gotten used to you maybe not being around for a good half this, half the year, um, whether you're traveling, coaching, practices, recruiting, et cetera. Are, are they fully prepared for you to be at home now pretty much all the time? Well, Mary, my wife, who is uh, really, um, she, you know, she's not my assistant coach. She's my program collaborator. Uh, she, you know, she, uh, I think she made it on every trip this year except Rochester. I can't get anyone to go to Rochester. <laughs> Nobody wow. really wants to travel to Rochester in February with us, you know. Wow. And we have some great games up there, and we love that place. And, and uh, it's just that you never know if you're going to get in or out. True, true. Uh, yeah, I can <laughs> and, understand uh, that. So, um, anyway, I don't know if she knows what she's in for, but uh, and I'm not sure I know what I'm in for either, but we're looking forward to it. Maybe you can sneak uh, her to Rochester now. To, uh, sneak her out to Rochester now. Well, you know, I wouldn't mind the two of us just going up there and watching, a, you know, watching you our go. team play up there or something. But uh, she's, you know, she's looking forward to it, and I think that, uh, uh, you know, my grandkids and my kids. I don't know. Um, we spend a lot of time anyway, or so. But that I don't know how much that will change. It won't. I mean, we'll be more available for them. I can go watch them with their performances of what they're involved in. Uh, I think that, uh, you know. The parents of our, our players have always been close each year, and we're looking forward to being able to sit up there with the parents of this team and the parents of the teams in the future and enjoy what we're watching on the floor. Well, um, before I let you go, I am curious. Um, obviously, you'll be home a little bit more 
Um, this isn't some ploy. NYU's Coach Neshi has retired as well. This isn't some ploy for you to move to New York City and take over uh, the Violets, is it? We're not in for a surprise, are we? Are you kidding me? <laughs> a country boy going to New York? <laughs> that sounds like a movie or something. <laughs> I'm just making sure. I mean, would, who knows? What would I do there? I mean, how would I function? I don't know. I've had enough players from New York that they know that I wouldn't fit. <laughs> Ask Michael Bregman or Scott Fiedler. <laughs> they can tell there you, you, you know. Uh, the coach would be out of water. <laughs> I, I did enjoy my bus ride and, and time with you guys in New York City, ironically enough. You guys were very gracious to give me a ride back from NYU. Yeah, that's where we went back to the hotel and found out all the water was out. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was a perfectly timed weekend, to say the least. Yeah, and we got beat that night, too. Yeah, I remember the game. Right. I can tell you every, everything that happened in it. Yeah, <laughs> that was going to say. Yeah, there we go. We can talk about that game. Um, I could talk to you forever. There's lots of questions I'd want to ask, but I also know you're very much wanted today by other media, but at the same time, we've other content we've got to get to on the show uh, as well. I appreciate the taking the time. As I'm wrapping this up, I am showing everybody uh, a picture um, of you and I, both younger, uh, at Salem. I think it was, it might have been the champ second championship or the first. It was one of those two where you and I are talking uh, probably at halftime uh, or post-game of these of a semifinal. Uh, you and I both look younger and a lot better fit. Uh, I need to work on that. Um, I've enjoyed my time with you. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversations almost on a yearly basis, even multiple times a year, as, as this year has certainly been proven. Enjoyed watching the Bears go through the NCAA tournament. And, and coaches like yourself coming on our show has helped establish us. And I appreciate your uh, willingness to do that and taking a, a leap with us for starters. Uh, and then more fur and, and then further along, humoring us uh, as well yeah. uh, whenever we called. Uh, I, I tip my hat to you. Congratulations on a tremendous career. Uh, really wish I'm, I'm blunt by saying I wish you were coming back. It'd be so much fun uh, to have you back. But we understand the retirement is a real thing. Even we are going to have to deal with it at some point. We always ask NABC coaches the question: What would you hope people will say? Uh, when you retire, you're there now. What do you hope people remember you as, as a coach in the years ahead when we look back? Well, I remember, you know, I've been asked that question. What do you want to be remembered as or remembered by or how do you want to be defined? Um, I want to be defined. I want to be remembered by the kids that have played for me, you know, and what, they're, what they did while they were here, but more importantly what they're doing now and what they're going to do down the road. Um, I want someday that, you know, those guys get, or get, keep getting together, keep going to weddings of each other, um, the, the, the basketball family from Washington University just keeps getting larger, not fragmented. Uh, this is what I, I would like to be remembered for this program. And I think that, uh, um, you know, each year that we've played, we've generated some major interests and major memories, et cetera. But most importantly is that we've created Tremendous friendships are going to last the rest of their lives. That's what I want to be remembered for. Well, that is certainly a good way to remember you by. By the way, if you're itching to coach in the offseason, call Mike Raniak, uh, assistant ambassador. He's got this TBT team of D3 guys coming together if you really want to have some fun. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've gotten an email for him there from you him go. about that. That's interesting. I, I think he's looking for a better coach. Uh, well, I <laughs> 
know, <laughs> I'm not much of an all-star coach. Oh, I'm more hey. of a system coach. I have our own. We, we have our style that takes four years to develop. It. Well, you might want to get used to it because I have a feeling the NABC is calling you for an all-star game in the future. I just oh, a gut feeling. That'll uh, be fun. That that'll system's fun. easy. Five in, five out. That's that's an easy system. Uh, thanks for thanks for the time. Thanks for the many uh, years. As always, we give the coach in the final word. In your case, apropos uh, final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in. Well, I think every time we've talked, I've left with the same thing, and that is thank you because you bring a, a uh, you validate Division Three. You bring a legitimacy to what we do, what these kids do. Uh, you know, it was evident in your life the live streaming of the All Star Game where. You interviewed each kid, and for their moment, you know, that's a special time for them. They'll always remember that. And if it wasn't for D3Hoops.com or D3, uh, uh, the show, uh, Hoopsville, you wouldn't, that wouldn't come. That wouldn't happen. And so my hat's off to you, and thank you, and I look to be able to be involved with you guys again in the future. Well, thank you. Oh, I'm going to have to find a way to get you on the show, I have a feeling. I, I think it's just a, a default. <laughs> We have a Mark Edwards, Nancy Faye. We got Nancy on somehow this year. We got to find a way to get you on too. Um, take care, sir. Enjoy the retirement. Um, enjoy the last days, weeks, months, whatever you're having at at WashU. And thanks again. And tremendous tip of the hat to be sure. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Mark Edwards joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Retiring after 37 seasons, 685 wins, 34 straight winning seasons. There are coaches that would die for those kinds of numbers. There are coaches who don't even accomplish a quarter of what Mark Edwards accomplished at WashU, thanks to his time. Went a little longer than expected, but we appreciate it nonetheless. He's a wonderful gentleman, and we've enjoyed talking to him. And there isn't a coach I know who doesn't talk about him being a gentleman off the court as well. Thanks to Chris Mitchell, by the way, for helping us put that together. Going to take another break when we come back. We've shuffled the lineup a little bit. We're going to hear from Dale Wellman, Nebraska Wesleyan's head coach, shortly after, or about an hour after they won the national championship. We'll re-air that segment. Also coming up, Max Pierce from SUNY Purchase will join us about the upcoming State Farm College Slam Dunk Championship in San Antonio he's taking part in. We still will hear from Tim Fitzpatrick at Coast Guard. Gordon Mann will interview Emma McCarthy from Amherst. Nate Dennison, the VP of Sales at um, in Fort Wayne, will join us. And Katie Reed and Nate Axelrod, the Jostens winners. That's all still ahead. You're watching Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoops so right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures 
and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I am your host, Dave McHugh, on the season finale of the show, 15th season finale. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. If you are watching us on the Facebook simulcast, Mike Raniak already saying he loves the idea of Coach Edwards taking over the program, possibly, of the TBT team. Uh, don't be surprised if a future podcast in the offseason dives into that team. Uh, but, Coach Edwards, we might have a job for you here in the offseason if you've got an itch. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook on our simulcast, facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can also join us uh, and chat with us on our YouTube page as well, though no one in there as of right now, though a significant number of you watching. Appreciate that. So we did talk to Dale Wellman. If you did not stick around for the championship postgame long enough, he came in right near the end, about an hour or so after they had wrapped up the national championship. Gets an opportunity we sometimes get while we're in the post-game show. Sometimes those uh, coaches have come on the last couple of years, and sometimes we miss them out. It happens. But he did get a chance to join us. He joined Pat and I to discuss the championship, the season, and much more. Once again, this aired in our Salem post-game show. If you missed it, uh, this is what we talked about with Dale Wellman at the time. I don't know if I would say that. From what I expected, that was what I thought I'd see you play, but you guys certainly played darn good basketball here, and, and you basically adjusted to every game. Oh, well, 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 thank you. No, I mean, we, uh, you know, we, we put up a lot of points. We put up a lot of points all year, and we like to get out in transition, but we also like to, uh, I mean, we talk two-tempo basketball all the time. Um, you know, we like to play a half-court game, too. I, I didn't think we were as sharp as we should have been yesterday <laughs> um, until, until the second half, and, and we uh, – you know, didn't give up. Um, but today, I mean, Oshkosh uh, brought out the absolute best in us. Um, we had to execute everything perfectly on offense and, and def defense. We really had to adjust at halftime. I mean, we obviously stayed in the zone, but we needed to extend it and uh, obviously find the shooters. They, they shot the ball unbelievable in the first half. Um, <laughs> yeah, they did. So we, we, we like to be able to play uh, a little different. Uh, you know, we want other teams to adjust to us a little bit. Um, but, you know, last week, obviously against Whitman, we got up and down a little bit more. Um, but we're willing to play a little half-court basketball as well. Dave is a big X, big XL guy. Uh, I am a big, big picture guy, a big storyline guy. So even though this is going to be a little bit of a, a callback, I wanted to know what you guys thought throughout the course of the regular season. You guys are running up these, uh, you know, this gaudy record, and our voters are not giving it much attention at all. What was the reaction, uh, you know, just among your guys for not getting into the top 25 at any point? Right. Well, uh, to be perfectly honest, at the beginning of the year, um, you know, we, uh, we kept looking and we were receiving a few votes, a few votes, and, and we knew we didn't have Shimonets at the time, and, but we kept winning. Um, 
and we got Chiminitz back, and we were trying to work him in and, and uh, find roles for everybody else, and, and we dropped a couple games while yeah. that happened and, <laughs> and, and lost all our um, uh, votes. But then we, we got things rolling again and started winning, 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 and each week we didn't, um, didn't get any votes. Um, and finally, you know, I brought the team together because they were always talking about it. I said, you know what, guys? Sorry, guys. Um, uh, screw it. I mean, uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. There you go. It. Perfect. Don't, don't worry about it. Like, um, you know, let, let's go out, play for the guys in this team. Uh, and it was. It was something we addressed, um, you know, before one of the practice when we were standing on the baseline. Let's forget about that. Um, let's see where we are when the regional rankings came out. I, that mm -hmm. That's the important part. Uh, let's keep winning and, you know, force their hand to put us at a high spot and in the regional rankings, do as well as we can. Um, that, that, and I think once that happened, um, you know, honestly, I didn't hear anything else about it. Regional rankings came out, and, and you know, we were ranked each week, and, and then we were just focused on winning the conference tournament. We knew we, knew we didn't have a great strength of schedule, um, and, and part of that was, uh, you know, because of our location, um, and it's tough. It's tough to get some good teams in there uh, to play, and part of it was that, you know, that schedule was completed last November when I had 10 freshmen on the team and was getting ready to start four freshmen. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to have this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you had asked me, you know, uh, 18, you know, 19 months ago, uh, you know, was this going to happen? I would have said, you're crazy. I'm getting ready to, <laughs> I just lost six seniors and, um, and, you know, we're yeah, bringing player in. Player of the year. Yeah. Right. Justin's winner. Yeah. Justin's winner. Um, you know, I'm getting ready to start, you know, three freshmen and transfer. So, um, yeah, so. We forgot about it a little bit, and then once we got in the tournament, obviously it was just, hey, let's take care of ourselves. And, yeah. and didn't uh, matter at that point. Right, and, and yeah. we wanted to make a statement. Um, you know, we wanted to make a statement, and and fortunately we were able to play some good teams, and, and uh, the rest is history. You said something interesting to me in the past week where you said you, you it was too bad Wash you had lost, that you guys kind of wanted a statement game. And I almost kind of was dumbfounded because I'm like, I, th I think you've had some statement games. I mean, the win over Platteville, for example, the win over – Whitman was oh mega statement game. What did you mean by that, and, yeah. and, and what well, were you trying to get from that? Yeah, well, we obviously hadn't played Platteville or Whitman yet. Okay. So, at, you know, at that situation, uh, you know, I'm sitting there watching, um, you know, watching the Aurora uh, Washu game, and is uh, <laughs> I mean, Aurora obviously played yeah. played tremendous basketball, um, but that that was it going in to Washu to to their. Uh, um, you know, to their facility, uh, and they were ranked. I forget what they were—top five, top six, whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think our guys. Uh, I mean, we weren't looking past Maryville at all. Uh, but once we won that, it was hey, let, you know, let's knock off Washu on their home court. So, such a good basketball team. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, obviously we had to, uh, you know, we went back and s switched focus, and you know, we was able to beat a good Aurora basketball team. Um, but so that the, those Platteville games and that Whitman game hadn't happened yet. So then it was all focused. And, and I, I've said it a few times, I think our guys came out just laser focused the next weekend with Platteville. And uh, and we, obviously we didn't know if it was going to be Whitman or, or Stevens Point at the time. <laughs> um, but they were really looking forward to that weekend. And I, I think it showed by the, the way we really played there. You have uh, an interesting team where you have multiple people who can step up at any given time. I can suspect there are some coaches who would pull their hair out when they see Boots not having a good game when he just had a great game, followed by maybe somebody else uh, not uh, jumping. I said Boots. Of course, he's from Titans. I'm already losing I my mind. I thought you were using that as a metaphor. It was great. <laughs> it, it actually works, but not in the right team. But, for example, um, Shimonitz maybe is having an off night, yet the night, you know, the, the previous game he was having a really good night or whatever. It, it You don't have 
for lack of a better word, the consistency of always knowing who your go-tos are. What's that from your vantage point? Is that a frustration or is that almost uh, a blessing because you know someone's going to hit it at some point in the game? Right. You know, I, I go into every game knowing that we have enough guys. I mean, I think, you know, throughout most of the year, I don't know how it ended, we had six guys that averaged double figures. So um, each game out, I, I knew if very rarely are six guys going to go out and, and play their absolute best game. So mm -hmm. I know someone's going to have a bad game. Um, but I know that other guys are going to step up. Um, you know, I, I think we might have had one game th this year where we didn't have, you know, more than like two or three guys just play uh, a, a good game. You know, I think we're talented uh, enough that, that four or five guys can, can have that and maybe not all eight or nine guys that we play. Um, so, uh, you know, even Nate Boss come off the bench and put up 24, mm -hmm. 24 and a half. Um, you know, Dylan Dirks has, has, has come off the bench and, and had some big games. So, so we know that we're, you know, relatively deep. Um, and, and I think it's a testament to our guys, too. I think if some of these guys were on some other teams, um, you know, they could average, um, you know, 19, 20, 21 points a game. Um, but they're willing to sacrifice some of that scoring, um, you know, because we are deep and, and other guys um, can't take shots. It doesn't have – we don't rely on one or two people to, uh, to make the big shots. We call – plays for everybody every game the program in the athletic department obviously was you know dual members in the NAIA and in division three for many many years and then you know uh, a little over a year ago decided to be fully division three and step away from that NAIA membership what does it mean for you guys in the program to have really validated that decision with this run this year well yeah um, first of all um, I mean a absolutely I think it was you know, especially f with the basketball alums and a lot of the alums I talked to, they, they were all for it. I mean, it, it's – and even when we were had the dual affiliation, you know, I've never really thought of it too much as a switch. I mean, we switched conferences, but we've always played by those Division three rules. Right. And, you know, my mentality, having been a D3 guy, you know, basically my whole career and my mm -hmm. whole life. Uh, and the school very, really much thinks of itself as a Division three school, even when we were playing in the GPAC and the NAIA. Mm -hmm. um, so – you know, it's been a, it's nice to vindicate it a little bit, but I, I think a lot of that, and, and obviously it was more than just a men's basketball uh, decision when we decided to drop right. the NAI side. Um, but I think uh, uh, basketball is obviously, um, you know, a, a popular uh, sport, so I, I think it it definitely helps. Um, but in terms of vindication, I you know I think we had very few alums that were. Uh, against dropping the NAI side okay. and I know on men's basketball our men's basketball team a lot of the alums uh, played in this tournament you know played yep. in the NAI I mean uh, NCAA division three tournament so uh, they have fond memories of, of division three um, so it's, it's it's been really nice you think this encourages maybe any of those NAIs in your area to maybe reevaluate and understand that Maybe there's an option there, and maybe D3 is I – mean, because we had a wave for a while, then it kind of plateaued out a little bit. I almost wonder, does this kind of tell your neck of the woods, hmm, maybe there is an option there? Yeah, and I, I, I guess I really can't speak for the other other schools around there. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was, uh, remained anonymous because it was not authorized to speak on their behalf. Right, yeah. there you go. Uh, I don't know, but, um, yeah, it's uh, maybe they do see it. It's really nice, and, uh, you know – NCAA and uh, puts on a great uh, Division three tournament yeah. and it's run really well. Um, and you know we had the opportunity to go to the NAI national tournament, uh, you know, our last year where we had the dual affiliation. So I right. can kind of compare the two, and it's been an unbelievable experience these last three weeks uh, in NCAA Division three. I mean, I'm glad. You know, I obviously am biased, and I think 
um, <laughs> you know, we went with the, um, you know, bigger, better brand um, going to the NCAA <laughs> Division Three. But, um, you know, those schools have their own philosophies. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to have some, uh, um, you know, Nebraska or uh, – buddies or, yeah, i was gonna say um, get a you know, few get, teams closer to you yeah get, get some games right there but uh um that was my unintentional hint yeah no it's um but yeah we'll, we'll see what happens i think it's an interesting time in nai basketball um right now so we'll see what happens i know another good place to get games it's in las vegas the week between christmas and oh. new year's i've driven that one <laughs> i'm sure yeah. on air too i believe yes. so we'll see you next year yeah come um, on out, well, out sometime keep us in mind how many yes. how many of your uh how many of the former coaches that you were an assistant under are now taking credit uh, for your success <laughs> oh, here yes. uh, uh, in Salem? <laughs> How yeah. many, has your phone blown up yet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was. Uh, I just checked a second ago, and it was uh, it was well over 130 texts, and Jeez. and it was uh, it's pretty amazing. No, but it's been uh, it's been great hearing from all coaches, all alums, all friends of the fan, uh, program, and and it's been it's been unbelievable. But um, no, it's it's. Uh, it's been nice to hear from the coaching fraternity. And, uh, you know, the, the first time I was here uh, was in 2003 when I was assistant at Kenyon College, and I was able to uh, uh, watch Williams win a national championship that okay. year and Dave Paulson. And, and Dave actually sent me a text uh, this morning. He didn't take any credit for uh, <laughs> it. He, do, he doesn't need any. No, he's, he's doing fine by himself. <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's kind of come full circle a little bit, so it's been mm -hmm. nice. Well, congratulations on the win. Congratulations on the title. Got a heck of a, a group there. If you can only play seven, uh, and they can contribute and produce right. like they did uh, on back-to-back -back nights, uh, fun to watch you guys. That defense is one that I, I got to start figuring out. That that one had me certainly impressed. Uh, but congratulations, nonetheless, and especially congratulations for winning in all kinds of different ways. You aren't a you aren't a one-trick pony, as they say. You guys certainly know different ways to win. As you know, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, well, uh, a couple things. No, number one is I, I've talked about what a tremendous tournament it is. Um, I felt really fortunate to, uh, to play some good basketball teams. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. Um, but, but I think a cool thing about this, too, is I was able to meet some unbelievable coaches as well, some guys that I wouldn't normally meet. Uh, I mean, I've talked about Oshkosh today. Uh, Pat's been an unbelievable guy just here in the uh, three or four days. Um, you know, and Eric last weekend, um, what, what a classy guy he was. Um, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, we, we won both those games, and those guys were just absolutely classy. And uh, everything from uh, from Washu to, to the way it was run in Platteville to the way it was run right here in Salem and what the city does here. Uh, I've said it before, Fort Wayne's going to – has a lot to live up to uh, next year because it's, it's really nice. Um, and the other thing I want to do, um, I touched on my wife uh, uh, earlier, but I wanted to make sure that uh, – uh, Brady and Tessa, I wanted to say their names on, online. Uh, that's my son Good. Uh, who watched tonight. Uh, Tessa might have watched. Well, I don't know. She's <laughs> not as big of a fan as, uh, of basketball as Brady is. But I uh, wanted to make sure I got their names on the air Good. a little bit too because they're, uh, they're obviously uh, my biggest fans. Perfect. So congratulations to Coach uh, and the championship and his family as well. Um, Nebraska Wesleyan's going to be one of those teams still in the conversation next year. They really they lose Wells Ross. They bring everybody else back. Um, they're going to be in the conversation. I can't imagine Oshkosh won't be in the conversation. Uh, we'll talk more about it at the end of the show. But congratulations to Nebraska Wesleyan. First national championship in program history. Fifth trip to the championship weekend. They were in Salem the second time Salem hosted as a program. 
Certainly nobody with that program was there. But congratulations on where they have come. And uh, winning that title, going through a pretty tough stretch to do it. Going to take another break. When we come back, shuffled up our schedule a little bit. We're going to talk to Max Pierce from SUNY Purchase. He won the uh, Dark Horse Dunker Contest uh, and will take place, take part in the State Farm College Slam in uh, San Antonio next week. He's the only Division Three member to take part. He's got a huge following because he puts on a show. We'll talk to him while showing some of his highlights at the same time. That's all coming up. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we are on the season finale of the show, 15th season finale, don't worry, we aren't going to go away anytime soon. At least we aren't planning on it. We'll talk more about the future at the end of the show. Already talked to Mark Edwards, retiring from Wash U. We've heard from Dale Wellman, head coach at Nebraska Wesleyan, on their championship. Going to ch- switch gears out of Salem for a moment here. Talk to one Division three athlete who's still playing. Normally everybody's done at this point, but one student athlete's getting ready for the spotlight. Um, Max Pierce has a pretty good following, especially in Instagram. He's put on He puts on a show when it t- comes time to some dunking. So much so that he's another Division three quote-unquote, dark horse. If you remember it on the football side, 
Gallaudet University winning the uh, national competition when it came to the best helmet. Uh, they ended up beating a ton of D1s along the way. Well, Max beat a lot of D1s in the dunk contest, uh, part of the uh, Dark Horse Dunker bracket. He joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. And, and Max, thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll uh, show you show some video here initially, just because we we forgot to get a graphic up. But uh, tell us a little bit about the fun that you have while said dunking. Um, I mean, I think it started maybe towards the end of middle school. Um, that that's when I got really passionate about it. I started watching guys like Vince Carter, um, Nate Robinson, and um, actually I got I got the chance to play with Nate uh, at Rucker Park. I don't know what year it was, uh, but, you know, just meeting him and watching him dunk it, it really uh, inspired me. And uh, so, so that was something that I got a lot more serious about going through high school. And then um, it, it pretty much became my favorite thing to do on the basketball court. And ever since then, I've been, you know, trying to take it with me. Uh, you put a heck of a video together that we're watching now, not only in-game, but uh, in practices as well. Um, is there an art to this? I mean, how, how do you kind of put it all together? Um, yeah, I would certainly say it's an art. Um, there's actually a whole dunk community out there uh, that not many people know about unless you're in it. But um, I, I think every dunk has pretty much been created with, you know, um, little room for... Uh, I don't know, for, for lack of a better term, just new dunks, but... Um, you just have to add your own style to what's already been created. That's what separates you from everyone else. You certainly have a style. Uh, a lot of one hands, I've noticed. But at the same time, uh, you, you put on a show maybe better than some of the NBA guys that I see. And it doesn't have to be just in the gym. It can be out in the street as well. Um, you've got a heck of a following on Instagram from what I've seen as well. Uh, this turns into a little bit of a show, and, and people certainly respect it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What, is, what does it mean to you, though, to have that kind of following on Instagram uh, to show off your abilities? What does that mean to you to have people respect you for that? Um, it's certainly humbling. Um, I mean, it's been, I guess, it's been building up for about a year and a half now. Um, it was actually an accident. Um, <laughs> I dunked on one of my friends, and I didn't want the video to get posted, but somebody posted it, uh -oh. and the next day it was viral, and I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just all downhill from there, as they say, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so you win this contest. Did you even know you were going to be in the contest? How did that all come about? How did you get into this Dark Horse Dunker contest to begin with? Um, I think it was a school nomination, right? Yeah, I, I think it was um, like a submission of a video. Um, we, we got an email here at Purchase looking for dunkers. Um, and it was just, I guess, the right place, right time, I guess. Well, it certainly worked out for you. Um, when you when you went about trying to do this contest uh, and try and win it, as it were, what was the secret? Uh, what what it, Was it all about trying to promote yourself on Instagram to some degree? Uh, yeah, Instagram definitely helped me a lot. Um, and and the, the connections that I've made via Instagram um, allowed me to reach a much larger network of people that could vote on my behalf. Um, so I reached out to, as you might know, I reached out to Donovan Mitchell. He's also from Westchester. Um, John Collins from the Atlanta Hawks. 
um, a couple of large influencers on um, social media. Um, so, I mean, I've just been pretty much trying to leverage, you know, my platform <laughs> and their platforms in order to be sure that uh, we get all the way through this contest. Smart. It clearly worked. You went on to win this darn thing. <laughs> um, did did How much did they help, I guess, is, is what I'm wondering. Oh, a, a tremendous amount. Um, Donovan only shared it twice. He shared it once last round, but he didn't post the link correctly, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> This round, he posted it correctly, and then it was extremely clutch. Oh, that, okay, so at least he, he came through for you. Yeah. So uh, when did you find out you won? Was it last week? Last Friday. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and um, I mean, I pretty much found out how everyone else found out. A lot of people were just, you know, looking at the um, the scores or the percentages, and everyone knew that it ended at 1 o'clock. So we're just counting down at 1, hopefully... I mean, hoping that uh, nothing funny happened and then percentages <laughs> would flip out of nowhere. Uh, so you're heading to San Antonio. You'll take part in the uh, State Farm uh, Slam Dunk Championship. How do, yeah. you, how, how, how do you prepare for something like that? Um, just continue to do what, what I love to do. Um, it, it's something I've been doing for the last three years, four years, consistently, week by week. Um, but I've actually been dealing with a, a knee injury, so Uh-oh. it's the last three weeks of this final season. Um, I have like a, a micro tear on my MCL, and then um, something about the other side of where um, my figure. I don't know. I don't know what the name of the bone is, but um, yeah, I've just been trying to rehab that, and um, you know, it's almost it's almost back to 100%. Jeez. Um, are you, do you have to f- come up with some new dunks, or is it all about executing what you already can do? Um, a, a mixture of both. I okay. have two things that I'm thinking of doing that I've never seen anyone else do before. Oh. But it's not very consistent. So um, it all depends on how consistent I can get it within the next five days. Um, if I can't really get it on demand, then I won't. I probably won't bring it out. Okay. Um, I- I don't want to jeopardize it. No, I understand that. Um, when do you, what's the plans from here? When do you head out? Do you get any practice time? What else is involved with the weekend? Being a senior, obviously, there's there's a little bit of uh, opportunity here. Uh, you don't have to worry about eligibilities and all that stuff. But well, how is it all going to work out? Um, so I leave Wednesday morning. I'm not, I don't remember what time my flight is. But um, I've just been trying to make sure that I can get to a gym every day. Okay. I've uh, been doing some cryotherapy. That, this is actually the first time I've ever tried cryotherapy, but it feels great <laughs> on my knee. Um, but let's see. Yeah, and then and then off the court, I've just been trying to get in the weight room. Um, and then in, in addition to the rehab that I've been doing for my knee, I've been trying to, you know, maybe add a couple inches to my vertical if I can. I don't know if that's possible within such a short time. but <laughs> That'd be amazing if you could. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd be. Uh, your coach would also be amazed. I'm quite sure. Now, uh, what's what's the buzz been like on campus and with the team? I'm sorry, say that again. What's the buzz been like on campus and with the team? Oh, um, on campus, I, I, I'm actually kind of surprised by the buzz on campus because this is a predominantly art school. Yeah, they're not really interested in sports. But um, I've been on campus like maybe three or four times since Friday, and I've gotten a ton of congratulations. 
Well, that's cool. Um, your season didn't end, I'm sure, the way you wanted to. It was 18 and 9, not too bad. Yeshiva knocked you guys guys out. Uh, is this at least uh, a good uh, cherry on top, or, or are you still kind of licking your wounds from the season? Um, I would say a mixture of both. I think this would help redeem uh, <laughs> that loss. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that entirely. Uh, give everybody where we can follow you, Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff, so we can maybe keep up with what you're up to. Uh-huh. So um, for Instagram, it's at Maxwell Pierce 1, P-E-A-R-C-E is how you spell my last name. And then um, on Twitter, it's just Maxwell Pierce. Okay. And then um, I think that's it. I mean, I have a Facebook, but I don't, I don't really use it. Nah, that's all right. We don't need it. Uh, I assume we can follow along those to see your trip to in San Antonio. I assume you'll be sharing as much as you can, right? Yep, absolutely. Are you able to go to the game, by the way? Are you going to be able to go to any of the games in San Antonio? I don't think so. Oh. I spoke to Intersport, which is the people in charge of the itinerary and stuff like that, but they're saying that um, it's going to be really hard to get. I don't know the number of participants in the college slam, but I know there's like at least Oh, there's 25? 24. 24? Oh. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it would be difficult to get 24 people in with such short notice considering the high demand of these uh, these spots to watch the games. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a giant place. I'm, I'm surprised. But, hey, you'll at least be a part of the festivities. That'll be fun. We look forward to seeing how it does. Do any? Uh, we always give a guest a final word kind of thing. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, I would just like to give a huge thank you to everybody that supported throughout this process um, that's been following. And, um, you know, hopefully I'll, I can go out and represent everyone in the best way that I can. Oh, I'm sure you will. You're already representing so well to begin with. Congratulations on winning the bracket. I mean, that's that's a feather in the cap to start with. Uh, and being able to go to San Antonio is already a win in our book. But congratulations, good luck. I know I will tune in to be sure, and we look forward to uh, seeing how you do. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Congratulations on a tremendous career of purchase. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Max Pierce joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. So tune in. The Slam Dunk Contest, State Farm uh, Slam Dunk Championships taking place. Uh, you can follow him, as he said, Maxwell Pierce one on Instagram and Maxwell Pierce on Twitter. It's P-E-A-R-C-E. Um, follow along. He's got a, a heck of a following. He puts on a show. We showed you some of the video that he shared, but he shares more. So take the opportunity. It should be fun. So we got one more D3 guy. He's still participating in the season. Uh, maybe we shouldn't wrap up the hoops until after. No, no, we won't do another show, but we'll keep track of him. We'll follow him on, inst- on Instagram and Twitter as well. Take another break. When we come back, we'll switch big gears, go back to Salem and talk to Tim Fitzpatrick, head men's basketball committee chair. We still have to hear from Emma McCarthy from Amherst. Both Justin's winners and the guys taking over the NCAA Final Four in men's basketball out of Fort Wayne. That's all still ahead on this show. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. 
I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll, on, long, roll along on this uh, season finale. Switching back to men's basketball. Still ahead, we'll talk women's basketball, Justin's winners, and the future of the men's basketball tournament, and wrap up giving you an idea of what we may be doing um, in the offseason and the season ahead. But as we move forward, Tim Fitzpatrick joined us on our Hoopsville postgame show in Salem to talk about the tournament, the Final Four and even ideas that he has that he would like to see put in place that will help maybe improve the tournament moving forward. He talked to Pat Coleman and myself in Salem, and here's what he had to say. That title much better. <laughs> First and foremost, sir, uh, you got to be pretty thrilled with what you guys ended up having here for four, for four teams and three outstanding games. It was quite a tournament. It yeah. really wasn't an apropos finish here in Salem. You know, it's always been a good experience being here, and this year was no exception. Yeah. When you look back at, at this year that you've been the chair and, and some of the things you guys have tried to implement, whatever they are, um, whether they're relevant or not, I know you always want, as you say, to have the best opportunity here in Salem and, and to have the best weekend possible. And obviously you want a tournament that, that – but with the parity and the balance and the wide openness of it, yeah. anything is possible. And obviously as we came into this weekend, we knew we had – Essentially, four wild cards to some degree. It's not a fair rep representation in entirely across the board, but that's what it felt like. Did you guys, uh, what were the expectations for you coming into the weekend? Did you think you were going to have three really good games like we ended up getting, or did you did you fear maybe a little bit that oh, this is a little out of balance? Well, you're always optimistic about what it's going to be sure. coming in, but um, I really felt like knowing what I knew about the teams that we had four outstanding teams that were going to be here and that we would have good games you know naturally I think in each game you saw early success in some players and then early jitters true in others and that's very natural you know when you when you know you're on the national championship stage whether it's in front of a few thousand people or in front of 25,000 people the court's still 94 feet long and the basket's still 10 feet high and it's still awfully hard to put that ball in. Did you sure? Did you measure it? <laughs> Is that part of your job responsibility? I, I think that that's Tufts G a couple years ago. It's but Gene Hackman who does that, if yeah, I remember right. correctly. Uh -huh. dude, dude, was Gene here? That's right. No, I mean, it's... Uh, Tufts, good callback. Yeah, there's Oh, such, that's outstanding. Yeah. I was particularly impressed this year with just the time I spent around the young people from the four teams. 
just the really yeah. high character kids. Yeah. And even, you know, seeing it with Cooper Cook tonight at the end of the game, and I was teasing him about, you know, okay, I gave him the Elite 90 trophy. <laughs> I handed him the National <laughs> Championship trophy. I gave him his – his. Uh, he came out when he got announced to the All-Tournament team. He came out and got his got – his, uh, <laughs> championship trophy i told him when they graduate if he wants me to come to lincoln <laughs> that i would i would make the trip to hand him his diploma that'd be outstanding if that actually any, happens by the way yeah i want video yeah <laughs> he's a uh, they're just i mean and, and I, I i could i could say that and did say that to every coach along the way that i was just so impressed with the caliber of the young people that make up these teams and that's part of the, the beauty of division three and i think it's really unique that you get to see it on this stage yeah because when you look at Division One, as someone who spent a long time in that end of the profession, you don't You're see right. that. It's very, very different. And I think what's really awesome is to have that kind of character on display. You see it in the coaches. I mean, Charlie Brock's post game last night was mm. exceptional. <laughs> uh, and tonight, even you know, hearing the Oshkosh coach the same thing. I mean, it's just it's really, you know that while these men are professionals that this is vocational for sure. them yeah. and you can't always say that in every other realm of college yeah. sports and i think when you can have such exceptional competition and still have those kind of values reflected in those kind of people that that's what you're here for cool. at the end of the day what kind of things did you guys do as a committee over the course of the last few years that you would like to see extended improved upon or just kind of maintained now that you uh, roll off the committee well, we did something this year that I think ended up being really effective, and we talked about it a little bit, you know, on the, the day. I think it was the day after this committee was selected that you and I talked. Possibly. I'm losing track of time. Understandably. <laughs> and we really wanted to nationalize the field this year in terms of how we created matchups, and we really were able to do that. 11 of the 16 pods for the first and second round had teams from three or more regions. Yeah, I love that. And that produced some matchups that, you know, that, that no tournament has ever – Matchup perfect, evidenced no. by the situation we have found in California each of the last yeah. several years, and this year. Oh, but even you had Maryville playing Nebraska Wesleyan. I know, right? seriously. A, right. There's only and one place in, in D3 you could do that. I'm pretty sure. And and, <laughs> and we and we suspected something that I talked to young people about along the way, and that is that it's a different experience if you get on a bus and drive 450 miles versus yeah. going across town and playing Except somebody. Too. Yeah. You know, the bonding and the going to a different place and playing in a different gym and, and you know, doing those kind of things. So that was really good. I think in a, Pat, in kind of a broader context, I was involved in what we're trying to do this year with elevating the officiating, yeah. with, the, with bringing mm -hmm. Jim Haney in and yeah. – um, just the work that he did and even just seeing the enthusiasm for those guys coming in and working these games. And, um, that's something that we need to clean up in this sport. Yeah. And Jim is Jim's going to do it. And I'm, I'm very proud to have been a part of that process. Jared, Jared Samples and I were both involved in the process of selecting the supervisor. And, you know, I, I think the, the hardest thing about it, awful lot of AQs. Yeah. There are tournament and and you know it's and mostly an AQ tournament. Oh, yeah, you know what you need to do next then is go to the football committee. Well, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to championships. Yeah. and my right. sports that's football. Right. Yeah, that's when right. I, when I go to championships, that so Dave that's told gonna, me that. You're right. That's yeah. going to be uh, exceptional. But um, this is a great game. There's always some things that you know we can improve. I've been kind of pushy about. Hey, does this need need to maybe be a 68 team tournament? Yeah, you mentioned that to me off the air. I'm glad he's now mentioned that on the yeah, air. Yeah, do, do, do we need to, you know, maybe for those first-round games? Because if you look at how 
population is distributed in the United States. Two-thirds of the institutions in America are east of the Mississippi right. River. Yeah. So logically, if we could take that step, those matchups would be with teams east of the Mississippi. Sure. And you can see where maybe maybe you know, maybe that might be a good idea because we do have, you know, I think Division One is 32 AQs. and we have Yeah, you and I figured it was like 31 or 32. We have 11 have, more. And they and have I, a little under 100 teams more than we do. Right, right. Right. So, uh, I mean, I we have 100 teams. The, ni the nice thing about this committee's focus was uh, we, we were absolute from the beginning. It's, you know, select the 21 best pool C teams, bracket and balance the field as correctly as we can, and then run the championship the way it needs to be run to produce high quality events everywhere. We had a little bit of a wild card this year with how we could deal with Yeshiva. Yeah, true. But Great you know, but you know, but you know, one of the questions that came up, we had a committee meeting Wednesday. One of the questions that came up was, do we need to push for something other than just night games please, all the time? Please do. Do we need? We would yeah, like that how about too? stagger games? Yeah, that's do we exactly? That's and right. and I was yeah, a part. No, you know, last year at, at Babson, we were part of a split session because yep. you had Tufts and Keene, and Babson and very uh, popular. And I think I think it was Christopher Newport that was all also there. I think yes. And so you know, there's some. You know, we have some of those situations where the fan interest is just extraordinary. There's mm -hmm. just so many people. and um, But I, I think, you know, the state of the sport, I think, is healthy. And I think we can, you know, I'm very, very proud of my colleagues because they, they did most of the work. You know, and, You're just and taking and the credit. I and get in it. terms of running this championship, <laughs> I mean, you know, I never, I don't suspect I'll ever get a chance to present a national championship trophy. Now, the kid cut himself on it after we gave it to him. Oh, no. Cooper Cook cut his <laughs> finger. Cooper. Um, Breaking news. It's the only thing he's done wrong this weekend. Trainer said to me it's the only thing he had to do all night. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we didn't have any injuries. That's fair. Yeah, it was a nice Let's clean take game. Take care of Cooper in the postseason. So. Um, you, you mentioned the, the times. You mentioned the interest of being at the game. But, I, you know, from the vantage point that we have especially, it's also great to see games across the country. If we could get into a stagger type system yep. where maybe it's every half hour or every hour or something where games are rolling off, then we can tune into more games and we can see more finishes, especially this year where we had a, a astounding number of, of finishes this year. Right. And, and you're trying and to bounce finishes. around. It'd be fun. And, and to mix it in with the women, too, to try and find a nice little way of mixing and matching. Yeah, I think Yeshiva showed us that you can have an, a, a crowd at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. Yep. Now, granted, Yeshiva was unique because they bring a special crowd to that, but you still have people who are interested in watching. Well, and we even saw a great element of Division Three spirit there. The people at York were willing to do that. Yes. Where it could have been very easy, and without going into any details of the bracket, <laughs> there were some people who were not interested in doing yes. that, that. That didn't want to do that. Um, one other thing that this committee is going to do is, you know, normally we wouldn't meet again until June. We're going to continue with monthly calls. Oh, great. Because we want to continue to dive into the data that we're given by the NCAA okay. and how we're permitted to use it. Huh. And are there things needed to supplement that data? So this committee is going to, you know, you kind of, in the past, you kind of gone dark for a few months. Yes, that's right. not going to happen. Okay. You know, I like that. We're going to continue to work because that's what the sport deserves. A um, couple questions before we let you go. I, two thoughts. One, you're rolling into the championships committee, as you mentioned. You're kind of double-dipping, as I've said. Stumbling, you're, staggering. <laughs> yeah, you've I'll been get in there, there already. Yeah. Yeah. What do you hope to take to the championships committee from your vantage point of not only having been on now a, a committee for Division Three of a sport, but also from that D1 background to some degree, that you hope Division Three overall can maybe start to adopt or change or, or take in and, and use for their own? The thing that occurs to me right away is, placing perhaps greater trust in the opinion of committee members in individual sports. 
mm. because we know an awful lot. In fact, I had a interesting conversation with Will Hopkins while he was here mm-hmm. this weekend about how different sport about lacrosse, about <laughs> how the, the tournament limited. <laughs> I'm going to walk away before <laughs> I get angry. Go ahead. The, the, the number of participants in lacrosse that's allowed for the championships, 32. Right. And, I mean, geez, even at, even at Coast Guard, we have 46 kids on the lacrosse team. Right. And, right. But the balance of are we really want, do we really want to provide opportunity for kids to enjoy? If it, is it really – if it's – if it's and they're, and they're allowed to take my appointment away after I say this, but <laughs> if it's really if it's really about the student athlete experience, does it really make a difference if it's 46 versus 32 and the institution wants to pay for the other 14? Right now, that can't happen. Right. Yeah. So I, I well, think they can go, but they can't be there. I on think the because sideline. you know the the balance point of dealing with student athlete experience issues is on campuses, and that's where I think uh, I think we can continue. And, and not that there's a lack of advocacy at the NCAA. I certainly don't mean that at all. But no, yeah, I know what you mean. But just to be able to, you know, make sure that fresh thought gets its fair day in court. One of the things that we do now that I participated in in basketball that I'll be on the other side of on championships is we do state of the sport calls where we actually talk about, talk to into the championships committee about current things in, in sport, in mm-hmm. the sport, one of the things that we talked about on my call was, why can't we use RPI? <laughs> we see mm-hmm. it, we yep. see it yeah, as, yeah, a, as a secondary it's, criteria. It's sitting there, they and just aren't allowed to use it, and, and it's a and it's a distraction. Yeah, either get rid of it off your screen or let's yeah, and use the, it. And, and the rationale that we were provided for it was understandable. It's you know because of travel restrictions that exist in Division Three because right. of finances. You don't have the true cross. You know, the, the argument, okay, in, in men's basketball, yeah, Arizona, St. John's can go play Arizona. You know they, they right. can afford to go do that. Yeah. You know Babson is not going to go play Whitman. No. Chances are MIT is not going to go to Texas and play. Well, Latino. you're not going to get enough. You're going to get right. some, but you're not going to get enough that that number yeah. starts to become relevant. Right. And I'm going to continue to ask the question: Well, if we're not supposed to use it, why do we see it? I mean, I think right. that's just common sense and. The other people you're know, working with, Liz Sucha and championships, she's terrific. Mm-hmm. And she is a true advocate for the student athlete. And uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, you know, if, if I'm never going to get a chance again, chances are, to hand a national tr- uh, national championship trophy to Or injure the student athlete or in a the kid, process. Yeah, and that's why I was determined. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm going to give them. You do it all. I'm going to give them a big old <laughs> handshake and hug their neck when they come out to get the, you know, to, yeah. to, to get their trophy because this is the biggest cool moment of their lives. And we, I said that at the, at the pre-tournament meeting the other day that I wanted all the adults in the room to understand that it was about the young people, mm-hmm. that it's not about the adults at this stage. And that I wanted people to savor the experience, behave maturely, and understand at every turn that it's about the players. It's really about the players. Uh, my only final question was going to be: You guys would make, or have made what would be argued a difficult decision to move the tournament to mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, and I say difficult, difficult because the, yeah. of the tradition and the history and the quality, the bar that was raised mm-hmm. and continues to be raised by Salem. We've had Fort Wayne on the show. They certainly are lapping everything up that they can. They want to do the best job possible. I think possible. it was good to have them here. Absolutely, yeah. and I think they did a tremendous job getting all the information in. But, you know, not to go into all the minutiae, as it were, mm-hmm. but how difficult was the decision And your final thoughts as you're about to walk out of the Civic Center? Very difficult. This, this city, this region is made up of exceptional people that care deeply they care deeply about the event and just, you know, Kerry Harvey Cutter is a great example. They care deeply about kids. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's why, you know, you may or may not be aware. You know, you saw we gave Kerry a special trophy so, yep, yep. last night. It was actually the second time we gave it to him. We gave it to him in front of his peers Wednesday night. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So they could see that. But that, you know, I the, 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 the analogy that I gave privately was that, you know, Salem's a five-letter word and so is Kerry. And that's that really tells you the guys are the glue. There are, yeah. there are many, 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 many wonderful people that work here tirelessly. And the fact that they will continue to host other NCAA championships going down the road, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we were back here again. I really wouldn't. You well, know, they're certainly just, hosting other sports, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not like Salem's going away, period. No, 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 yeah. no. And, you know, we, we you know, you're obviously a tough decision. Hard factors to balance. Uh you know, we have a lot of <laughs> we have a lot of travel issues going places. There's just a hundred different things that you look at. And it was a very difficult decision. There was a lot of serious questioning, colleague to college questioning going on. Uh, but I think in the long run, I think for the game, it's a good thing to do. And that that's no slight at all to these people. Here. No, they are they're tremendous people. And for me, I I remember thinking at the beginning to be the chair that ran the you know the 23rd consecutive yeah. Final Four in Salem was special for me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, uh, you and I will certainly talk yep. plenty. We love chatting and, and picking each other's brains. I appreciate the time that you give me. Um, and I look forward to seeing and hearing your opinions as you rotate onto the championship committee. You I'll know probably th- have a few. <laughs> and I look forward to <laughs> you brought up one of my sticklers. I can't wait to talk to you about that one, too. Uh, though you know kind of where do. I stand. <laughs> um, as always, we give the, co- the guest the final word. Uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, thanks to you guys. I mean, you, you know, you perform a – a service for Division Three basketball that's phenomenal. And what you do, the two of you do, elevate the game. You, you do. You elevate the game. And you've, you've taken a unique advocacy position that others, other less determined people wouldn't do. And, that's, uh, and, I, and I know I speak for the sport <laughs> when I say that, the unique appreciation that people have for what you do. And the good news that you generate, and the good dialogue that you generate, the comment, the, the, the things that you and I share are mm-hmm. always about. It, it's not about what's bad; it's about how to get better. And those right. are not those are not the same things. It's not it's not aimless criticism. It's something that's really important in the long run. Well, thank you. There's obviously more than just us. There's Gordon and Ryan, and then a lot host right. of other people. Host well. of great people. Absolutely. So we appreciate it. Well, thanks, sir. Thank uh, you. Safe trip back. Look forward to talking to you. Thanks for taking the time, as great. always. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, thanks Pat. He is Tim Fitzpatrick, Coast Guard Athletics Director. We yeah. forgot to mention as Still. well, rotating onto the championship committee and uh, finishing up his term as committee chair on the men's basketball committee. So that was uh, the head conversation we had with Tim Fitzpatrick uh, at the men's um, Final Four. We should point out we got this question just a short time ago, uh, how often we talk to the chairs. We've talked to the chairs now more often than we used to, even five years ago. Uh, We talk to them now at the beginning of the season. I don't think we did that for a long period of time. We now talk to them um, during the Hoopsville Marathon show. If that marathon show ever were to disappear, we would talk to them also right before regional rankings start. We also talk to them uh, right after the brackets are announced. Mostly, we usually talk to them the day the brackets are announced. In the case of the women's, we had to delay that due to a lot of other scenarios in place. Um, So we talked to her um, the next day, actually. And then we happen to talk to Tim Fitzpatrick here at the end of the season. Have not talked to Bobby Morgan, the women's chair. Um, We could have talked to her today. Didn't think to reach out to her. We had so much other content. Um, Maybe that'll be a podcast conversation that we have as she rotates off right before 
Uh, the committee's work is technically done in June. Technically, committee runs all the way through September, but they usually wrap up their work in June. Uh, we'll take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk to Justin's award winners, and we still have to talk to Fort Wayne. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to the season finale of Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying this show live on a Thursday afternoon. We know we're watching on Facebook and on YouTube. We appreciate it, though not a lot of interactions. Not a big deal. But if you want to ask us questions or have thoughts, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. So we interviewed the Jostens Trophy winners while we were in Salem. The purpose of the interviews was to have them on the Hoopsville courtside pregame shows ahead of the first semifinals. That's why we were going to do two hours of a pregame show. Unfortunately, there was internet challenges at Salem. Nothing runs perfectly. You all should know that having watched this show. Um, and we had to cut some things to get everything to fit in. Unfortunately, we had to cut those and couldn't find another slot the rest of the weekend. That said, we always have Hoopsville to fall back on. So we're going to, in this segment, hear from both winners, Caitlin Reed from NYU and Nate Axelrod, who ended up moving on uh, or going on to be the player of the year for D3Hoops.com. Understand these interviews are taking place at the beginning of the Salem weekend. So uh, we'll mention again in the Axelrod interview, but both of them, we may have something that's a little bit dated in reference to the games. But we start off with Caitlin Reed, who had a tremendous career. Uh, at NYU, and it was fun to, to connect with her once again. Joining me is the women's awardee. It is Caitlin Reed and from NYU, I should point out. And congratulations on the honor. This is one of those unique Division Three type things. Really rewards you not only for being a, a great student athlete, 
but rewards you for being a, a good student and a good person in the community. So what does that mean to you, though? First of all, it was such a privilege to be able to receive this award. There was 10 women's finalists, and every single one of them were just outstanding in every single field. So to win this award, it's a little surreal, but it really just, you know, it's recognition kind of for five years of really hard work that I've put into basketball at NYU, and I'm, I'm so thankful. Read a few of your bios here. Mm -hmm. As an undergrad, you were a politics and a Spanish major, so you, you doubled down on fun I did. with a 3.84, and then graduate global affairs as a postgrad with a 3.85. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're already at one of the more difficult schools in the country. Mm -hmm. You then made it more difficult. Yes. It feels, as a former student athlete myself who wasn't that great in the classroom, it feels like you're a little insane. <laughs> I think, it, I think it felt a little bit insane okay. while I was doing it, but to be completely honest, and this might sound a little cliche, but the basketball really helps time manage. Mm. You know, there's only a certain amount of time for you to do work, and if you don't do your work, you're not going to play. So it went hand in hand, and I love what I'm learning. I really do. Yeah, you stole the next one. I was going to say basketball, yeah. though, certainly helps that. Being a student athlete helps you sure. balance a lot of things. But the NYU rigors, people don't quite understand. Yeah. It's not your atypical kind of liberal arts school or even state yeah. school. Yeah, I think because it's in New York City, it's a little, it adds to that insanity. But I, you know, I love that insanity. And I knew New York was meant for me. I knew the school, despite its rigor, was going to be great. And it has been. Your head coach has some lofty expectations of you off the court in the yes. future. Uh, we won't dive into what she said in the, uh, the uh, write-up for the nomination, uh -huh. but what do you hope to take with politics and Spanish and global affairs and do with it as you move forward? I have another year of schooling left, so I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, but I do want to do something international. NYU, it's a global campus, yeah. and I want to, I've just fallen in love with the idea of doing something abroad, and of course, Latin America, Spanish, like that would probably help. So something, you know, that deals with a Latin American country and politics, global affairs, something like that. Yeah. It certainly makes sense. Uh -huh. Let's go back to the basketball side, though. Uh, with an injury, you ended up yep. with, in your fifth year, in a sense. Um, interesting enough, started and ending your book and your career with, with some all-region honors yeah. and maybe all-Americans. We don't know as of the time we talk if it's all-America yet. But uh, how... Does the basketball side playing a role? Are, are you even considering maybe still doing that before you dive into the real world, as they say? Yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, it's definitely, of course, it's on the plate. When you love something this much, you're always hesitant to let it go. I think my parents especially would push for me just to go right now. But I think I'm yeah. definitely going to finish school. I've got another year and then see see where I'm at and see where the body is. It's it's taken a lot of hits. Yeah. <laughs> so got to repair itself a little bit. Yeah, nothing against you, Kate, yeah. I saw you injured sometimes more than I thought I saw you playing. Yeah, I hit the ground hard. What yeah. can I say? Yeah. Just like I play. Yeah. <laughs> How about the team? Uh, you yeah. guys kind of, through your career, it's been ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Really good, really good. Kind of yeah. fell off, then kind of research. Yeah. How was it from your point of view? Um, last year for, okay, for yeah, all of NYU, time. yeah. I mean, yeah. being in the UAA is ridiculously challenging. Any, I mean, any given day, any team can win on their home court away. And I think sometimes, like, the high intensity of that, you know, makes postseason. Like, sometimes you're a little worn out as a team. And I think, but above all, like, Despite the highs, despite the lows, it's just competitive. It's competitive basketball, and that's what I wanted to be a part of. I wanted, I didn't want to blow out people in my conference. I wanted every game to be challenging, and that's what I signed up for, and that's what I got. So, so you're saying you, you tried to make the games challenging and not blowouts? 
<laughs> okay, no, everyone appreciates a nice blowout, of course. <laughs> but I did kind of, I did respect though the high level of intensity in the UAA, and you know, traveling all over to play these schools. It was an experience I really wanted to be a part of. Um, you guys had a, an interesting quirk. You yeah. lost your gym. Yes. It's gone. Yes. I mean, and by gone, I mean Every it's game history. Every is an away game. Yes. Yeah. So, what was it like to not to start kind of with a home gym yep. and one of the more unique gyms mm -hmm. in 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 all of basketball, really, yeah. and now you're you're at Hunter and yeah. you're playing other elsewhere and you don't really have a home. What was that all like? You know, I think it could have been way worse than it has been. The NYU administration has done literally a phenomenal job in making this facilitating the ease of getting to different gyms and I think you know it, it's convenient that Hunter wears purple which yeah, that's true. That's you know true. it does help and you know we've gotten a lot we've NYU's putting a lot into the Hunter gym and they've made it feel like it's our own gym and we kind of like as as you know pseudo New Yorkers we like the challenge of you know being at someone else's gym we take that just for the record we suggested you played at Madison Square Oh, I would have done an MSG in a heartbeat. I would have even played in the Nets gym, you know, but. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's daring right there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, obviously, the career's done. Uh -huh. Will you, you got one more year at the school, though. Yeah. You're going to try and stay involved with the team? Oh, of course. My sister's still on the team. Right. So I will be there from the stands, try not to coach too hard, try not to be too bitter, and I will just, I'll be there. Yeah. yeah you never know, a coach might pull you down onto the, onto the bench. Yeah, I'll make sure to wear my tennis shoes. Let's do it. Very nice. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, obviously, uh -huh. this is the Final Four. What's it like from your vantage point? Obviously, it's not the women's Final Four, but to, to kind of be in the atmosphere of this, having not been able to do it, unfortunately, yeah. on your career. I'm jealous, of course. Yeah. Uh, this is so, this is an amazing experience, but you know, you can look at every game like that and you just have to make the most of it. So I'm gonna make the most of, you know, even being here on the side, so yeah. Well, congratulations Thank again. You. you and I got a chance to talk your sophomore year. I think yeah. your dad's probably jonesing a little bit oh, yeah. right He's now probably, with us. He's taking this, yeah. just a little bit, but <laughs> we, as you know, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you wanna share with those who may be watching? Do what you love and do it great and do it to the best that you can and try not to be too cliche in your last words. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. She's Caitlin Reed. Wonderful conversation with Caitlin Reed. Great to meet her in person. We did talk to her uh, thanks to the fundraiser <clears throat> uh, a few years back. Uh, look forward to seeing what she may be doing. I, I still am not going to throw her coach under the bus. There was a fascinating line in the write-up in the Justin's Trophy that got my attention that Kayla was a little surprised by. <laughs> I think her coach has some huge expectations of her former, now former senior player. So Nate Axelrod is the men's winner, Ohio Wesleyan um, graduate, well, soon to be graduate, senior. He also went on to become the uh, that weekend. We announced that he was a D3Hoops.com player of the year. I, I don't think we've named a lot of athletes who are players of the year who don't make the NCAA tournament. In my recollection, the last one that even was in the conversation that didn't get deep in the tur tournament was Ben Strong when they lost uh, his senior year to St. Mary's in the first round. Um, that was a number of years ago. Certainly doesn't mean we have to do it a certain way. Nate Axelrod certainly uh, well-deserving. We talked to him uh, at the same time we talked to Caitlin. Uh, about the experience, and he joined us. And remember, this is taking place early in the week in Salem, so we make some references to stuff that's coming up a little bit later. If you haven't seen, probably one of the better point guards, guards in general, in Division Three. Nate, thanks for, for taking the time, and congratulations on, on this honor. As I said with Caitlin, it's it's not just talks about you on the court, but it also talks about you in the community and you in the classroom. What does that mean to you? Um, it means a lot. It just shows that I've earned respect from a lot of people, and I done a great job throughout my four years at OU, both on the court and off. 
Uh, give us a sense of what you do off the court, not in the classroom, but I, I got pretty blown away by how you have enough time to do everything you're involved with. Yeah, I mean, luckily Coach DeWitt gives us some short practices, so, <laughs> so we have some extra time, but um, with, we work with Big Brothers Big Sisters in the Delaware community and go there once a week, and then also I'm a member of a fraternity, and we, we're paired up with the ALS Foundation, and so we host a few um, philanthropy events throughout the year and along with Greek service events throughout the city of Delaware. How important is it to, to give back to the community from your vantage point? Oh no, it, it means a lot. Um, ever since I was little I remember looking up to college athletes and even high school athletes and even when they would interact with us and say our names and stuff it would just mean the world. You also pretty good on the court. We'll talk about that in the middle. We're pretty good uh, on the in the classroom as well. Finances with a high GPA. What drove you in the classroom? Um, I think so, some of it's come naturally, but my sister was a smart student growing up, so I kind of always wanted to compete with her. But it's it's definitely competition driven. <laughs> Court wise, you've been one of the guards. Everybody's been watching nationwide for a long time. Uh, a rare talent of being able to distribute, slice through a lane, and also find your teammates. Most importantly, what's it like to have worn the uh, battling bishop uniform for four years? Oh, it's it's meant a lot. It's meant the world to me. Um, Luckily, Coach DeWitt, he's coached a ton of great point guards, coached Andy Winters before me and even more great guys before that. And I think the big thing is he gives us a system to flourish in and have the ball in my hands 80% of the time and can make a lot of plays with that. You said that. It ball's in the, your hands 80% of the time. Defenses thus are keying on you, yet you still seem to have success. I'm sure you relished on the <laughs> challenge, but how did you tackle the challenge? I mean, it seems like I've been playing at OU for like eight years now, <laughs> so so it's it's interesting. I've seen pretty much every defensive scheme against me, so I know different ways to attack it, and he's made great adjustments to different scouting reports, so I, I succeed in those elements. Interesting career because you, you kind of came on with a flash, and you guys had NCA success early on, and then as a result, the expectations climbed. And I don't know if you guys got better or not because the expectations always seem to be really farther ahead of you guys. And then this season, we see you in Vegas, and you guys play lights out for most of the time there. And then you got back in a conference play, and it seemed like the lights went out from our vantage point. Yeah. Your vantage point, what was the career and this season like? Um, so I'll start with the career. The career was incredible. You can look at stats. You can look at everything. But just the memories I've made on the court, we've won a ton of big games, especially at home, I think. The biggest one I remember at home was we beat Lynchburg mm. in the round of 32 my sophomore year, and they, they were a great team. Yeah. And it just meant a lot because we were hosting the tournament. We ended up going to the Sweet 16, losing to Benedictine, who lost the national title that yeah. year. So I've, ma I've made a ton of great memories through that. And then this year, um, definitely, like you said, we have a lot of, had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Um, in Vegas, we were, we were, it seemed like we were in our element. We, had a great stage in front of us, wanted to make a statement, and for the most part we did. Yeah. We came back home, um, kind of let up a little bit. Our our conference is really strong, though. Yeah, we had Worcester, who's always really good, um, Wittenberg, who was incredible this year, and it just seemed like we couldn't get past those teams, and at least until we got to the conference tournament when we beat Worcester. Right. But Wittenberg, their size advantage was just too much for us in the conference championship. I get the sense you're you're itching still to play. So the question now comes, are you hoping to continue playing or are you now taking the turn towards a career? Um, I'm still hoping to play. I'm trying to play overseas, working on getting, getting a good agent right now. So okay. 
Just just the process. <laughs> anywhere overseas? Doesn't matter? Really anywhere for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Really like it. When you do eventually have to hang up the laces, and heck, if you're Jeff Gibbs, you're still playing uh, 17 years later. But if you do have to hang up the laces, what are you then thinking? Are, are you, do you have an idea of where you want to head? Mm, I, I think it kind of depends where I'm at. And I think I definitely will always stay involved in basketball. So if that means I end up coaching, I'd, I'd love to do that. And if not, with my major in finance, I, I can see myself getting involved in that area too. Well, you dress the part, yeah. both coach and finance, I should say. You actually outdress your coach most times. Yeah, I mean, Coach DeWitt's pretty laid back. He he dresses how he wants, so yes. I don't I don't question him too much. No, 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 no. We don't coach it at all. Well, congratulations again. Thanks for taking the time. Before I let you go, a uh, quick question about the Final Four. How is it bittersweet to be here? I mean, you're getting the Johnson's Trophy, which means a lot, but then your team's not here. It is bittersweet. Um, I mean, obviously, I've had a great career, but I would have loved to have more team success throughout the end of this year and last year as well, but it's... It's just, I'm just here enjoying the experience. We'll see you in the All-Star game. Will that be at least a, a, a nice secondary prize, as it were? Yeah, it'll be cool. Uh, there's a lot of great players in the game. I've recognized all the names, and it, it should be a fun night. Yeah, it should <laughs> be a lot of fun. Before we let you go, we always give the, the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be watching? Um, just, just enjoy the moment. Enjoy what you're doing. And even if it's basketball or not, just enjoy it. Awesome. Thanks for... Uh... Joining us, uh, Nate Axelrod, spoke of the All-Star game there at the end. By the way, rough edit because we had originally edited it to go back to a pregame show in Salem. He put on a show. They all put on a show, but a couple of the more spectacular dunks in the game, Axelrod had some incredible passes. There was one um, Olivet's uh, player, same region, uh, had a tremendous slam early in the game. Nate gave it to him on a, on a leaping between the legs bounce pass. And then Axelrod had another pass later in the game where he's he's driving and then kind of turning away from the drive into the lane and fires this no-look laser of a pass between two defenders and somehow knows there's a guy cutting on the other side that he hits pinpoint right at the waist at the perfect catching point. Insane. I'm going to miss watching Nate Axelrod play. Um, I, have, I fell in love with him, for lack of a better description, that during his career. It's too bad Ohio Wesleyan couldn't have been um, more uh, successful, for lack of a better term, to see Axelrod perform at a higher stage. But it was fun to see him nonetheless. Congratulations to him and Caitlin Reed on winning the Jostens Trophy. A heck of a set of finalists on both sides this year. Really looking forward to it. We'll talk more about the future coming up. We'll take another break. When we come back, Nathan Dennison joins us. He's the VP of Sales at the place we're heading to next in Fort Wayne. Their uh, Memorial Coliseum. He is with the Fort. He was with the Visit Fort Wayne group that toured Salem, toured the Roanoke Valley. They did a lot of work. The conversation we have with him is fascinating. And if you are a football fan and you know the tournament's going to Shenandoah, the championship, and you've heard the conversations there, be ready for a very different conversation now. There is a distinct difference in these championships where they're moving after Salem, and Nathan Dennison proves that. We'll take a break. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. 
Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the season finale. We have a couple segments left. No commercial break. So first, we're going to hear from Nathan Dennison from uh, Fort Wayne, and then we will wrap up the show. So if you've got questions for us or anything on that, we've got about 15 to 20 minutes of this show left to go. So get those questions in now. Again, as I hinted as we went away, the, the conversation we had with the Fort Wayne group, or at least I had, is a starkly different conversation than those at football or anybody at football had with Shenandoah. Fort Wayne is clearly embracing the idea of taking over this tournament. They are com com completely aware of what Salem has done for Division Three in the NCAA. And the conversations we had with those who were taking in everything in Salem this weekend was fascinating to listen to. So again, in our post-game show, joining us to talk about it all was Nathan Dennison. He is the vice president of sales for the arena we are headed to in Fort Wayne. And he was one of a three-person committee who was on hand in Salem to discuss it all. And he joined us in our post game, and the, the, the conversation was enlightening. You told me the other day when I saw you, probably was Thursday at this point, that yeah. you guys were going to soak up everything like a sponge, and I have watched you guys been all over this building. I think you've been in parts of the building. I haven't <laughs> even been in parts of what, what was your take of this experience? I know you guys are very much looking forward to this, and you yeah. really wanted to learn as much as you could. Yeah, it's been a great opportunity. Um, two colleagues from uh, Visit Fort Wayne, the Convention of Visitors Bureau, came with me uh, for this trip, and we have really basically just tried to absorb every possible element of this championship event from, from the back of the house to uh, the court to everything in between, media, learning, um, some of the folks involved from a national perspective. We've been, have been able to gain some relationships with members of the national committee, which will help us in the long run. Mm -hmm. We just wanted to take in everything uh, so that we can go back uh, and carry on this great tradition uh, that's been so long in the making. Um, and just, it's, it's all about the kids. We understand that. This is yeah. the pinnacle of their basketball careers Good. for the most they, of them. You've picked up the most important thing. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. the kids, it's the student athletes, it's it's their family, it's yes. their parents. 
Um, because for some of these kids, this is the last time their parents get to see them compete. That is true. At a, after a, what some could be a long career. And um, it's all about that. So we want to make sure that uh, we carry on the tradition that Salem uh, has carried so well for a long time. Yeah. Nathan, uh, describe the Coliseum for us and, sure. the, and its amenities and such. Sure. Um, the original arena was uh, opened in 1952, so it is an old building. <laughs> However, over the uh, last, I would say, um, since 2002, uh, when the arena itself was expanded and renovated, uh, we've probably spent in the range of 50 to $60 million okay. to, uh, to renovate and keep it uh, a state-of-the-art facility. Um, it is a, um, for basketball, maximum capacity is close to 12,000. However, we have curtaining systems that can, that create a, uh, a 4,500 to 5,000 seat basketball configuration okay. that's um, really, really nice. Uh, it's an older bowl type configuration, okay. so it feels like you're right on top of the action. Okay. Uh, we have an ECHL hockey team as a tenant. We have an NBA G League team as a tenant. Okay. Uh, they're an affiliate of the Indiana Pacers. We also have a Division One college basketball program mm -hmm. as a tenant. Sure. So, um, so you found some dates, though. You know, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, plus everything else some, you guys probably do. Somehow we found some dates, and you know, fitting Disney on Ice there in, in yeah. March too. Oh, will those be, are important dates. Will be great. Actually. Will be great. So we're really, really excited. We're putting together uh, a very strong local organizing committee, uh, full of local corporate um, input and. We're just really excited about getting this uh, 365 days going, <laughs> and uh, the countdown is on. Um, it, you know, the Coliseum, uh, we're Northeast Indiana's event center. So okay. um, Northeast Indiana is about, you know, Fort Wayne is two hours uh, north of Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, it's about three hours uh, east of Chicago, uh, two hours from Toledo. So we're really right in the middle yeah. of... Uh, Detroit, Columbus, Indy, Chicago, really right in the middle of all of it. I know that's near Manchester for yes. reference sake. They're the spot, uh, the, the uh, host, the host yep. school. Yep. I hope would be maybe what about an hour, hope, hour and a half. Hope would north? be about an hour, an hour and a half. North, okay. Yeah. So just to give everybody an idea, Trine is about a forty-five to fifty-minute ah, drive uh, okay. north of Fort Wayne. Uh, Defiance, Defiance is right there too. So um, we have a lot of small college basketball. Uh, for at the NEIA level, the Division Three level, around our area. So, uh, as you probably heard, Indiana is a little bit of a basketball state. Oh, so that's the rumor. That's so the rumor. It, it is the rumor. And was there a movie made out of there that? Was, yeah. There was. There was. <laughs> you know, noticing a lot of these guys out here today, um, a lot of guys could be in central casting from that movie. Oh, sure. <laughs> from the movie Hoosiers. No, yeah. So, it has been great to watch. Um, the one thing, the one message that I think we're going to be able to take back to our local community is this is high-level basketball. Good. That the local community yes, Thank you. Deserves, <laughs> <laughs> deserves to be able to get a chance to see. Um, you know, Hoosiers appreciate high-level, fundamental, quality basketball, and I've seen some of the best I've ever seen in my life here this weekend. So uh, we're going to make sure to clip that uh, and right. use that make often that. And, and, <laughs> and often as possible. <laughs> kind of along that theme, and from what you guys, you said you guys are going to be like a, a, a sponge and get into the weeds yeah, a little bit here. Yeah. What have you, wh I don't want to say what have you learned that you didn't know. That's kind of a, a weird question. But what did you guys gather that maybe you weren't fully aware of it was part of the operation? Because we should point sure. out, it, you, you 
well, you have tenants, so you're sure. certainly familiar putting sure, on sure, events. Sure, sure. And you and you've done NCAA events. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're not unfamiliar mm -hmm. with that mm -hmm. side of things. Mm -hmm. But what did you learn from your experience here this weekend that maybe you weren't fully aware of? You know, one thing. It, it, I mean, it's very simple. Um, I learned that there are a total of ten referees that come <laughs> to the event. Yes. Oh, by the way, <laughs> for the weekend and we need rooms for them. Too. Um, <laughs> we need a little bit bigger room for them <laughs> in our arena. And, oh, sure. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you kind of just. You know, maybe not think about, but yeah. when you hear that there are ten officials uh, that work the rotation of the three games, you think, oh, well, let's go back to the bid document and say, oh, you know, we have a little bit better plan for them. And I think that's that's just a very small example of one of the things that's been really beneficial for us to come and see. We've even gone to the hotels uh, and checked out the breakfast buffets, so that we can go back to our hotels and say, this is the expectation. Okay. Do it I better. Like this. Do it I better. Like this. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm it's very. Uh, it's yeah. it's all about exceeding expectations. Um, we have a very very strong convention of visitors bureau. Okay. Uh, they sent two people here yes. on the weekend. We should point you're part of a three yep. three persons team here yeah. who's in in it, town. It, and so we we just wanted to soak up everything we possibly could. Um, Salem is a beautiful city. Love this area. Mm. Uh, it, it's just it's just gorgeous. So. Um, we're excited about getting this thing rolling. Uh, the national committee is has just really, you know, embraced us in terms of um, do what you do, and okay. uh, we're really gonna uh, do whatever we can to carry on this tradition. What's your weather like this time of year? <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, we have cherry <laughs> blossoms outside. It was windy, but it was nice today. Yeah. I will say today I got a report that there was freezing rain and sleet in Fort Wayne today. <laughs> I'm not that surprised. So Perfect. you know, but last week yeah. last week it was in the 60s. So right. you never know. <laughs> Wait you know, five minutes. That's the that's what happens in Indiana. Wait you five minutes. The, the weather will change. Lake effect snow get to you guys. It does. Okay, it does. so we'll keep that in mind. We're too. about we're about two and a half hours from the lake. Yeah. You're just on that fringe, yes, possibly. Though. Yes, that's yeah. correct. That's correct. Uh, when you guys look at what you will do now for four years, sure. I'm not asking you what will you change, <laughs> but what do you think you'll bring to the table that is Fort Wayne-esque, if that makes any sense? Sure. I think it, you know, it goes back to the students, creating memorable moments for them. Um, you know, Fort Wayne is, uh, is it's the state's second largest city. Uh, it's got opportunities for leisure activities uh, that um, other other cities don't. Every city's different, and mm -hmm. of course, it all goes back to the student uh, and the athlete and giving them that really memorable experience. Um, this is the pinnacle of their athletic career for the most part, and um, our job will be to just give them a lifetime of memories so that they can you know, t take with, this, uh, with them whether they win or lose, and that's the important part. So. We're going to just put a Fort Wayne spin on it, Hoosier hospitality, as they say. Um, and, you know, uh, basketball is a big part of it. So uh, we, we hope to get the community involved, the corporate community involved, the basketball community involved. Um, we have a couple different uh, gyms in town that have basketball academies that have, you know, hundreds and potentially thousands of students that we're going to, you know, see how we can engage them and, cool. and get them into these events. Um, the national committee has told us, uh, crowd is, yeah, is a plus number one yeah. um, priority. Nice yes, and absolutely, that's, <laughs> and that's our number one goal, and that helps the experience for the athletes. Oh, agreed. So, yeah. um, we're jumping in, both feet, and we're excited to get started. 
Well, I appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome. Uh, wonderful to chat with welcome. you. I know I've chatted off camera yep. with you a little bit, yep. but it's great to get your point of view on something that we don't actually truly appreciate. I mean, we understand how it works. Sure. But to hear someone say what they're learning is kind of cool, sure. too. Uh, so. you know, and if I may, one you know, thing we haven't mentioned a whole lot is, is Manchester University mm. is the, uh, the host for this, and they have been, up to this point, great partners. They will be continue to be great partners for the venue, for the Convention of Visitors Bureau. They are really, really excited about this opportunity. They, uh, the last time I believe they made the national tournament themselves was it was in Buffalo, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, on that team, Alfred's team, all that oh, on yes. that team, Jared Good, who is now their head coach. That's right. Yeah. So uh, Coach Good, uh, Rick Esposet, the uh, the athletic director, Mark Atkins, the sports information yep. director, uh, just been awesome people to work cool. with, and we're just going to continue that relationship and. Uh, Move forward. Uh, we have a tradition on this show where we always give the guests the final oh, word. Right. I just figured we'll keep that tradition alive as we now turn our focus a little bit towards Fort Wayne sure. now. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I mean, I just want to say, um, you know, Indiana, the Hoosier State, basketball, that's what we're about. We're very, very excited about bringing another NCAA championship event to Indiana, to Fort Wayne, and we just hope to have everybody visit next year. Oh, sorry. It was a little uh, tighter edit than I thought I had made it. <laughs> but uh, thanks to Nathan Dennison for joining us from Visit Fort Wayne again, Vice President. For where we are headed um, in uh, 2019, we will be there for four seasons. If you're wondering, it's the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, part of the Arena Expo Center and Conference Center. Um, they host uh, a few things along with many others, uh, D1 basketball and other stuff. And uh, that is part of the Visit Fort Wayne group. So that is your uh, future. Um, again, I go back to those who heard the Shenandoah interview on the Stag Bowl pregame show. I reference that and I reference this interview. Um, I reference... <laughs> A group that's got their plan together who understands what Salem did and isn't knocking Salem. Shenandoah's group tended to do that, um, especially a really nicely written article about Salem. And I'm not trying to defend Salem. Listen, Salem defends itself. Yes, the gym is old. Um, I definitely saw that this year, I think, more. I, 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 I didn't look at it from the point of view of, oh, we're in Salem and just go about it. You know, I looked at it like, geez, yeah, you know, that is old and that is old. And I read that um, the uh, new place that we're headed, and it's going to take a while to, <laughs> to get these names right. The Allen County War Memorial Coliseum is putting in, spending, I think, about, what was it, $10 million or a million, million and a half dollars to put in a brand new scoreboard. They're going to put in new ribbon things around the edges. This takes it to another level. It's nothing against Salem. They've done a tremendous job. Uh, I feel confident that we're going to a place in Fort Wayne on the men's side that will be competent, that will have a good place to host, that will certainly be exciting. You heard the crowd comment. We've had dwindling crowds in Salem. I don't know if this, the, the local community has worn out of the event. I wouldn't say that necessarily. But when it's there for 23 years, you maybe forget you have a good thing. At the same time, we've had teams like Nebraska Wesley and others who travel from very far away. It takes a little bit more to get there. So we've had smaller crowds. That being said, the crowd number 
for the championship versus what I saw didn't add up. I thought we had a bigger crowd there. It certainly was boisterous. This place is big when you look at the numbers. They apparently have a curtaining system that will make it feel intimate. Looking forward to it. Uh, I have more confidence going to Fort Wayne with this men's championship than I do going to, to Shenandoah right now with the football championship. Plain and simple. Fort Wayne also isn't dependent on its team or a team in the area being at that event to make that event work. I think Shenandoah needs Mary Harden Baylor at least the first of the two years they're going there. I think they need Mary Harden Baylor to be at that event or that event is in trouble. So we'll look forward to it. We will be talking to uh, Nathan Dennison and others throughout uh, the next 360 some odd days. Um, wouldn't be surprised if they're a part of this show, as Salem has been in the past, and I wouldn't be surprised if we even make a trip out there at some point. The invite has gone out, and we will respond to that invite and see if maybe we can find a time to go out there and, and see it um, when other things are going on. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But that is our future. Salem it draws to a close. I heard uh, different opinions on whether we'll be back in Salem. I think there were a lot who suspected we would be, that the Fort Wayne is... Certainly not a bad thing that leaving Salem is not a bad thing. And certainly that was the 87th NCAA title that Salem has handed out. And they've got two more to hand out this spring. They aren't losing championships, folks. They just happen to be losing the two marquee ones. Remember, women's basketball goes to Salem next year. They'll actually go to uh, Roanoke College in the Kreger Center. It won't be in the Salem Civic Center. Nothing wrong with that. The Kreger Center is going to be tremendous for that event. So Salem is still in the mix. This is not goodbye forever. It's just goodbye in how we have traditionally seen Salem. Um, I'm very confident. I think it will be a tremendous success, and I look forward to wherever I end up going and figuring out the logistics, to say the least. Also, things to keep in mind as we move forward into 2018-19 next year. Remember, first and foremost, we have a start to the season that is a week earlier. Next year, we will actually get the season started on November 8th. I've already talked to some coaches who are moving games around. Actually, the 8th is a Thursday, so I believe the season will actually start on November 9th. Um, already talking to coaches who are going to be playing in games on that weekend. One school in particular that shocked me, I won't throw them under the bus, but they are synonymous with uh, fall sports um, hosting, uh, especially in conference tournaments. They have moved a tournament onto that opening weekend, the one thing I feared. Um, I, we don't need weekend tournaments that weekend, especially at schools with crossover seasons with successful programs. Single games are fine. We can save the tournaments for the next set, set, sets of weekends. This is an idea of freeing up the schedule, not to try and make it overburdened. But we will see how that all adjusts and how everybody else adjusts to it. It'd be fascinated to see how it all plays out. So November 8th is technically the start. It'll be November 9th being a Friday, I believe. Um, I think that's how it works. I, I keep losing track of the start rules. I know if it's on a Saturday, you can start Friday. If it's on, uh, if November 8th is on a Sunday, you can start Friday. And then you get into some gray area, and then it has to be on the 8th. Oh, actually, it is on the 8th, so it would be a Thursday start. So there's my answer, folks. So it is November 8th. Sorry for thinking that one all through for you live. So we'll start on Thursday, November 8th. Um, with the season, though, don't expect to see a lot of games at night necessarily. Um, it will be a slower start to the season in terms of ramping up of games than I think we've had in, in, in the past. Also, next year is a quirky year in terms of the calendar. <laughs> Remember, let's flash back to 2013. 
and we had the uh, men's final championship game in Atlanta. We had a very drawn-out postseason. It was six weeks' worth. So we played single games for three weeks, and we had the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Then we had a week off, and then we went to Salem. and or Not Salem, Atlanta. And interesting enough, the two teams who ended up in Atlanta also happened to have the only two buys on the men's bracket, so they had the first weeks off. Well, the reason it got dragged out was that CBS i.e. and along with the NCAA, but primarily CBS, had moved the D1 Final Four to a week later. Reason being, the Masters was technically a week later. So instead of it playing um, as um, this year will, for example, this year the, the Final Four will be played on the 31st and the 2nd. Instead of having that happen, which next year meant it would be on the 30th and 1st, the D1 Final Four is actually the uh, 6th and 8th. The Masters is the next weekend. CBS likes keeping this, the, the D1 Championship weekend and the Masters together. What that's going to result in, folks, is that the D3 Championship weekend will not be two weeks before. It will be three weeks before. That puts the D3 Championship weekend on D1 Conference Championship Weekend, not the opening to the D1 Tournament. I hope you're following along. I have asked since October and maybe September whether the NCAA saw this snag, let's call it, this change in the schedule, this quirk, and whether they had, as a result, made any adjustments to the Division Three schedule. This was before the vote, obviously, before the November 8th start to the season. I was told that people were aware, I didn't quite buy that, but that the season would not be changing. I've inquired since. I am told the season will not be changing. Uh, my suggestion was either, let the, for starters, they said nothing will change to the 19-week schedule, and that is from the start of practices to the end of the season, and that nothing would be allowed to add a week to that to make it a 20-week for the one occasion next year or to shift the calendar in any way. In other words, start practices a week later, which actually would make the November 9th straight uh, a mute point. We'd be back to the 5th or November 8th. We'd be back to the November 15th date, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The other problem here is that this new place we're going to cannot move their weekend for the DE3 championship weekend. They have other events taking place the following weekend, which I already had seen on their calendar as well. Um, Salem happened to be able to make some arrangements last, somewhat last minute to make that weekend work. Remember, Salem did not happen on its traditional weekend that year in 2013 either. It was shifted back a week as well. So just keep in mind, we're going to have a quirky year. Our champions are going to be crowned before D1 is done with its regular season. And that's just different. I uh, don't know how that will affect coaches. I don't know how that will affect the games. I don't know how that will affect CBS Sports Network covering the game for, for at least the men's side of things. Things we will find out. But if you're looking at the calendar next year, understand we are going to have a quirky year. The calendar is going to be slightly off. We're going to be in our traditional set. But because the D1 tournament is getting pushed back by a week, we are not this year following that. And who knows? I don't think we would have followed it 
the year before either. And remember, we didn't technically follow it. We just dragged the tournament on further than we normally do. Um, otherwise, we would have had this happen in 2013 as well. And if you're wondering if you go back six more years because of leap year prior to that, no, it didn't happen. I think this idea of either the Masters moving to a little bit later in April every six years or CBS trying to keep the two in lockstep is somewhat new. So now CBS basically has you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday with the Final Four. Then they go into the Masters with ESPN on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the following week. It all kind of goes hand in hand um, with their coverage. So it, it is a quirk, and, and that's what we'll see. Um, some off-season things. We will continue to follow coaching uh, openings. Obviously, we now have two huge ones at WashU and NYU. Gettysburg is open. We know it's in its final stages. There's plenty of other coaches interviews, and obviously as coaches are hired, other openings will take place as well. We'll continue to follow those. I am not one who chases those. If I am, as I said to somebody, I'm not out there fishing for information on coach openings um, unless I, I have a vested interest or I just have nothing else to do. I tend to wait until a fish jumps into the boat, gives me some intel, and then I put my fish in the or I put my line in the water, knowing where the fish are, to figure out some more information. But we'll keep track as much as we can. The NIT had some rule, um, uh, ec, uh, some rule conversation. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Experiments uh, this year. They they on the men's side. They they dabbled with four quarters. They dabbled with resetting the offensive, uh, the, the shot clock to 20 seconds on an offensive rebound uh, and some other things that they dabbled with. I was told by someone in Salem that I need to talk to him about rules. He's on the rules committee. Um, I plan to continue that. I'm wondering if, even though this is not a rules cycle, we, we are now officially halfway through a rules cycle. We go one more year under the book before technically the book is rewritten. It uh, doesn't mean they can't come up with reasons to change things even for next year. We will follow that if that develops into anything. And a lot of this we will then try and put into some podcasts. Now, last year we dabbled with the thought. We did not do it. We ended up putting a bunch of preseason podcasts together in the weeks leading up um, to the season. This year what we may try and dabble and do is talk to coaches if they've gotten new jobs, talk to other individuals regarding the game uh, throughout the season. Uh, we may not get one out in April. We may take a, a significant break here, but we may start in May with some off-season podcasts, much like football does, maybe stripped down a little bit shorter versions of our show. So we'll, you know, April, May, June, July, August, September, and October, uh, maybe even a November show if we if we have enough content, uh, maybe every six weeks or so. That's what we're certainly uh, debating about. It, it tends that we have a lot of off-season stuff to talk about when we get back or we miss a lot of stuff, and I think maybe the podcast idea is something we can do. It's very simple to do. It's easier than doing this big uh, behemoth of a show that we do during the regular season, so we may dive into that. Remember, you can always follow it. understand what we're doing by uh, following us online at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville to follow all of that news along the way. Um that's about it. Uh, I mean, hats off to the teams that won championships. We, If you want to know about my top 25, speaking of which, do I have my final one? I do. If you're wondering how I voted, I did not put my blog out the last two times. I apologize. One, the one prior to the tournament, I am so darn busy that I don't have time. We'll try and improve that in the future. And this last one, I just haven't had time either. Lots of other things like a nor'easter blowing into town on the first day of spring. 
Uh, everyone voted for Nebraska Wesley number one, so I have no surprise for you there. I didn't consider anybody else the way they played. I also was told I was the highest ranking um, voter for Nebraska Wesley heading into the tournament. I had him 18th, so for me, uh, it just made logical sense. I put Oshkosh two, though I debated. Uh, not very long, but I debated, and Oshkosh was number two. I debated number three. Uh, I ended up giving it to Platteville. That said, I'm not that convinced that Platteville would have beaten Whitman had they gotten to the game, to be honest. I don't know. I think Nebraska Wesleyan was perfectly suited to play Whitman. Uh, maybe not Platteville. But the way Whitman lost that game by so many points, I decided to give it to Platteville uh, in the third slot, and I made Whitman my four team. I, again, I could debate. I could go back and forth on that one. I know some others did the same, um, but I think you could have also been legitimately putting Whitman third. But I put Whitman fourth. I put Wittenberg fifth, despite losing in the second round. I still think they were a darn good team. I put Augustana sixth. I put Wash U seventh. I thought, despite the loss to Aurora, which certainly stung, and two losses to end the season, I thought Wash U was a pretty top-notch team. I put them seventh. Uh, Springfield was my eighth team. Nothing against Springfield. Uh, they weren't even uh, – I don't think I voted for them once this year. If I did, it was, it was one single time. Um, very good team. Uh, I think got on the perfect run, to be honest. Um, unfortunately, it fell apart on them against Nebraska Wesleyan in the semifinals. Uh, I just felt that if Springfield played WashU, Augustana, Wittenberg, Whitman, or Platteville, the result would not necessarily be a win. Didn't want to knock them too hard because I do realize they were very close, knocking off Nebraska Wesleyan and being in the title game. I ended up putting Swarthmore ninth and Ramapo 10th. Uh, again, saw Ramapo. I had them in my top 10 coming out of Vegas. They're in my top 10 coming out of this. I thought they were the same team. I think Swarthmore would have taken it to Ramapo just a little bit. I moved St. John's down to 11th. A little disappointed that they couldn't put the end of the season together better. Emory was 12th. John Carroll, 13th. Hamilton, 14th. Really impressed with the Continentals on how they played, getting as far as they did. And again, a couple free throws. They knocked Springfield out. That was another consideration with Springfield. And probably one I could have argued Springfield a little bit lower and Hamilton a little bit higher. Claremont Mud Scripps, I put 15th. Um, that might surprise some of you, but they knocked off Whitworth, nearly knocked off Whitman. I felt if they had gotten to the second round, things could have been very different in the NCAA tournament. I really liked how Claremont Mud Scripps was playing at the end of the season. Probably should have been voting for him a little bit sooner, though I was a little bit nervous. Um, but they really proved in two games to me, and really more than two games, that they were a darn good team. So I put them 15th, though. Ironically, I started them 25th, and as I continue to talk, I continue to move them up. Put Williams 16th, MIT 17th. MIT would have been higher, but Jomard's injury was a factor there. I know that he came back for the final weekend, but he wasn't 100%. I think if he's back there in the final four. Whitworth, I put 18th. Uh, Whitworth was too high, in my opinion, at fourth when I put him in my poll. I think they were too high at number two. To be, to be blunt, losing to Claremont Mudd Scripps, who I have him behind, was telling. I think Whitworth always got up for the Whitman games. They weren't necessarily up for anybody else. Um, Middlebury, I ended up 19th. Franklin and Marshall put 20th. I've been critical of FNM. Didn't really vote for him much this year. Um, really impressed with what they did to close out the season and how they played. Uh, I gave them 20th. Plattsburgh, 21st. Really good team, but a little bit one-dimensional, unfortunately. I thought they were a little bit less than that, and it turns out I was wrong. Uh, they got a really good talent. He's coming back. Uh, but I put Plattsford 21, Worcester 22, Eastern Connecticut 23, and I rounded out with two Mid-Atlantic teams in York 24 and Hopkins 25. 
ironically, when I started this, I thought I'd keep York up in the in the ten to fifteen range or fifteen to twenty, wherever I had him originally. I thought some of these teams would stay a lot higher, but because so many teams moved up, a lot of teams ended up moving down as a result. So there's my personal top twenty-five, and next year is going to be brutal. Nebraska Wesleyan pretty much brings everybody back. Oshkosh pretty much puts everybody back. Not sure about Platteville. Whitman will bring technically everybody back. They will lose the All-American and Howell, but they should be bringing back two guys who didn't even play this year. They could be deeper and better next year. Wittenberg was really supposed to be better next year. I know they lose a good talent, but I think Wittenberg comes back guns a-blazing next year. Augustana, I think, will be talented again next year. WashU loses a lot, including Mark Edwards. I have a feeling the Bears... Um, May not be as strong as we've been used to in, in recent years, and, and that is what it is, but we'll keep an eye on them. Springfield pretty much brings everybody back. Swarthmore will be dangerous. Cam Wiley is only a junior. Ramapo does lose five seniors. St. John's will lose a little bit. Emory looks like they're going to be good again. John Carroll could be good again. Hamilton, I don't think, loses anybody next year. I could be wrong. Claremont Mud Scripps will be a different team. They do lose their All-American, and so on and so forth. Whitworth will bring everybody back. MIT will bring everybody back. Um, Platts of uh, FNM will lose a good talent and Brandon Frederici, but they've got some good talent that may develop and blossom with him. Um, no longer there. Not that it's a shot at Brandon. I, I, I think they did a really nice Brendan. I think they did a really nice job with him. I just think now there's more openings. There's more chances with another guy on the floor. So a lot York will fall off a little bit. Hopkins will fall off a little bit, uh, but those are good and well-coached teams. And we'll look forward to seeing how they play out on the women's side. We're going to be watching Amherst. Very easily, easily, easily could go after WashU's uh, record for wins in a season. It's something we've got to keep an eye on, to say the least. Um, they're at 66, and the record is 81. So something to keep an eye on, to be sure. Um, it says, uh, when is the 2018-19 season preview of Hoopsville season preview? I want to make sure our new coach leaves that date open. Uh, so... Season opens on Thursday, November 8th. That will be our first show of the season. That will probably be our season preview, as it were. We'll have podcasts um, leading up. We'll see where uh, that particular coach can fit in, whether it's a season preview or whether we do it in a podcast. Uh, we always take the preseason number one teams and put them on the opening show along with the committee chairs and some others. So that tends to be our uh, our opening show, but we will have other ones. But November 9th or 8th will be our first show of the season and that's going to do it for us i'm sure there's some stuff i've missed out on uh that i should have mentioned and did not and i apologize if i forgot something I want to thank all of our guests who appeared on today's show and the list is a plenty uh of course some of them appeared on our post-game show but we'll thank them anyway mark edwards of course from WashU and retiring thanks to chris um mitchell for helping uh, coordinate that interview dale wellman from nebraska wesleyan was eager to come on to our post game show we appreciate that max pierce from suny purchase appreciate him taking the time to join us as well good luck in the state farm college slam dunk championship in san antonio tim fitzpatrick from coast guard who came on our post game show as well thanks to gordon mann for having the interview with emma mccarthy from amherst um Junior listed, but apparently done with playing. Amherst will lose quite a few talent, but we'll keep an eye on them nonetheless. Um, Caitlin Reed for coming on from NYU, along with Nate Axelrod. Talk to them as the Justin awardees. And then Nate Dennison um, from Fort Wayne. Appreciate him taking the time. Of course, thanks to all the sports information directors for their help with the guests and their help throughout the season. And it would be, it'd be 
uh, dumb of me, as it were, to not thank everybody else who have helped us with this show this season. Of course, D3Hoops.com. Um, Ryan Scott, who appeared quite often on the show. We never heard from Gordon Mann on Hoopsville this year. A little odd. Uh, we'll work on that maybe in the future, uh, though some news behind the scenes as well as Gordon um, we'll still be involved with D3 Hoops, but we're shuffling up administrative things. We'll, you'll learn more maybe down the road. But Gordon Mann uh, focusing a little bit on business and family, but he's not leaving D3 Hoops. Uh, of course, Pat Coleman helping me out with the things in, in Salem, of course. Excuse me. Uh, and a big thanks to Keaton Coleman, once again, his oldest, for helping us with production as well in Salem. Um, of course, WBCA NABC, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, thank you for their support. It's been tremendous this year. We look forward to having the partners come back next year for more great stories in the WBCA Center Court and the NABC Coaches Corner. Look forward to expanding those a little bit. We're actually going to have some ideas, not leaking them out as of right now, of having some uh, other segments on the show. So we may get a little bit less coach-driven in the in the future and get a little bit more maybe uh, student-athlete-driven or at least get more student-athletes on the show, I should say. The question becomes, where do we fit it all in? Do we go two hours? Do we go three hours? Uh, we're going to have to find ways to make this a little bit more financially viable if we're going to start doing six hours a week on air. That doesn't even count the amount of hours we do off-air for prep show. Um, but thanks to the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches on the men's side, tremendous support. And, of course, thanks to the City of Salem for their support of this show. They've always been supportive. Kerry Harvey Cutter and his crew, they have been amazing when being in Salem. I can't thank them enough. You heard what I said on the postgame show. I meant it. They were tremendous, and we really thank them for their time. But more importantly, thank them for their support. We know we will keep a relationship with them. Considering the women are going there next year, uh, we, we look forward to seeing where that relationship takes us in the years ahead. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for tuning in to another season of Hoopsville, our 15th. So thank you, the fans, for tuning in. Thank you to the coaches who agreed to be on the show. Student athletes and other guests, thanks to the sports information directors for helping coordinate all these things and anybody else who have been a part of this show and meant it so special. It wasn't a fundraising year for us for a lot of reasons. We hope in the coming weeks we will we'll find a way to make this an, uh, a less fundraising. But if you have expressed interest in fundraising, we have emailed you back. If you have not emailed us and want to talk to us about fundraising, please contact us. We can let you know of ways you can um, help us if you are interested on your own. That's going to do it for the 15th season of Hoopsville. Appreciate you tuning in and all the guests that we had. I do not have a total. I should have done one. Uh, we will be back on the air throughout the offseason with some podcasts here and there, but tune in on Thursday, November 8th, as we are on for the 16th year of Hoopsville. Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the WBCA and ABC studios, our hotline presented by the City of Salem. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this show and all the others that we put on the air this year. Congratulations, Nebraska Wesleyan and Amherst on national championships, a first and yet another in those two, respectively. Congratulations to all the other teams that participated in the tournament and all those 900-plus programs who concluded their seasons in some way, shape, or fashion. We'll look forward to covering all of you, the student-athletes, and more when we get back on the air next November. And with that, a reminder that if you want to use any of this show, you will need to let us know and expressly uh, get permission from myself, DMAC Productions, and the show it, before you use it. Mainly, we just want to have the courtesy of thanking you for using our content. And that 
We'll do it. You've been listening to Hoops, so presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. Thank you for tuning in. Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy the offseason, and we'll see you back here for the 2018-19 season in November.